Jamestown, as well as everyone else listening to us from anywhere else in the world, streaming us on the WRFA website or on the mobile app. You are tuned into the Power Chord Hour right here on 107.9 WRFA. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Anthony Merchant. And uh, if you don't know, it is our first episode of the month. We always uh, do a theme. And uh, this is, we're doing it kind of differently, a fun uh, kind of like addition to 2022. We're doing the theme, but having like, a guest host, a uh, co-host, maybe you will. I mean, however you want to describe it. So tonight, our theme, uh, New Jersey pop punk ska, uh, specifically kind of like late 90s, early 2000s. You've heard me talk about it on the show before. We've had a lot of interviews from uh, people of the scene. And uh, I think it'll be something fun. I, I'm pretty sure we did a long time ago, maybe like a small, literally like three or four block uh like a uh, song thing of like New Jersey pop punk bands, but we're gonna do a whole thing tonight with uh, my buddy Jay Vix and uh, a big, big part of the uh, scene back then. And uh, he did, he did a really cool, maybe you guys saw it and I was actually a guest on it, but he was uh, doing quarantunes for a while, a uh, like online show with uh, people from the scene and some uh, really, really cool uh, guests. Not me. I was a guest. I wasn't one of the cool ones, but I had some really rad people on and uh has been in bands a bunch of cool stuff but uh i'll i'll let him do some more talking because yeah he is our he is our guest co-host tonight he is a he's like a guest but he's also gonna like steer the ship so uh jay welcome aboard how are you doing man great that means i get to talk and sometimes step over you step on you and you do the same with me so this this, we'll see how this goes it'll be fun it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I uh, I was excited about this because like, again, like I do these I've probably been doing themed like to start off every month since like, I don't know, we got to be coming up almost a year now. But uh, again, never, never had I've thought of the idea of a guest co-host or whatever before. But you really are kind of a guinea pig for uh, for this. We'll we'll see how it goes. I, I think it will be quite fun. And I feel like uh, I feel like you're well versed in this topic right i mean like i suppose um first of all i do want to correct one thing you said go right uh, ahead. you were a great guest on quarantunes oh well thank you thank you um yeah so we did have a lot of uh a lot of cool bands when we did that um we can talk a little bit more about that I will definitely uh, but yeah i think as far i well versed wow that that might be too kind but um but I've done a lot of interviews and um, a little bit of radio and a lot of live streaming. So I feel like in that regard, like this type of media feels like home. Like you can, yeah, I feel, I feel like you hosted uh, and we were kind of talking about it before we started, but like, I mean, you, you did have like, I don't know what you want to call it, like an online show or like whatever, but like, you, with the visual element everything like you were really you know you really were hosting it and in a way that i mean credit to you you know is a lot is a lot more than just like you know talking to people you kind of had to like move it along and you have and i mean it was live too i know you had some some hiccups at times where it's like you but you were very good at it. like 
<laughs> catch yourself and stuff. And I mean, that's important because some people freeze the hell up when things like that happen. And like, you're like, no, like you were very good with like doing it, you know, doing it live. Like you, you went, you went with the flow. I was a nervous freaking wreck. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I would, uh, my wife would attest to this. Um, so yeah, when, when we were doing the quarantines and for those that don't know, when the pandemic happened, we decided to, I decided to call up some old friends that used to play in bands and say, Hey, would you do a 15 or 20 minute set from your living room? And we're going to stream it live to all these old people who are feeling nostalgic, old people, meaning old scene people from the late nineties that are now doing nothing because they can't go anywhere because it's a pandemic. And to, to my surprise, a lot of musicians said, yes, they would play. And then we, we started with just some Jersey people and then we, we branched out. But what I would do is, I, I mean, I'd be through the week, I would be writing out the set time specifically so I could stick to it. And then I would start these all at eight o'clock at night. And, you know, you know, we sometimes went till two, three in the morning, not with bands. Yeah. The bands would be done by 11 or 12, but then we'd have this after show, which was sometimes it was a disaster and sometimes it was awesome. Um, but at like 7.30, about 30 minutes before the show, I would like pace around the house. I'm shaking. Um, I, I just couldn't like calm my nerves. But something happened at eight o'clock when I hit go live because we would stream this live. It was live on YouTube, Facebook. Um, and now I'm like responsible for this like six hour show once a month for <laughs> live. And I'm the I'm the host, I'm the MC. But once I clicked live and I opened my mouth, it was gone. And I, I, I think I had the, like the nervousness was gone, the, uh, the butterflies. And I, I had the same feeling when I played in a band uh in in you know the late 90s uh i was always a bit nervous before we were about to to play and then the minute the first note was played i was like a cheese ball like i was jumping around i'm hamming it up i'm talking to the crowd and i was totally comfortable but i have this like this pre-show nervousness but I'm it goes exactly away the, the minute the minute I get started. I still have it now. I, I'm interviewing local business owners for a podcast I do called Meet the Experts. And um, still, I'm, I'm like shaking. I got butterflies. I'm drinking a lot of water. My mouth is dry. And then the minute we go live, it's gone. I'm comfortable as anything. I uh, I mean, I can and I, I feel like most people I talk to like and it's honestly, it's a good thing, I think, because it also means you care. Like if you don't, I think there is a part of that that is true. Like if you didn't care about the quality of what you're about to do or that, you know, you're, you're thinking of the responsibility and like what you're, I have to carry this show and stuff. But like, I've, uh, when I've been doing interviews now since like 2016 and I mean, I, I still will get that exact thing like 30 minutes. And I honestly, I've gotten better where it used to be from like the beginning when I found out maybe I'd be interviewing someone like until I interviewed them, I'd have that dread. Now it's like, I can be really cool about it. And then there'll be that like 30 minutes before where, yeah, you just get that pit in your stomach. It's the, <laughs> what can go wrong, you know, is, is the guest. There's also just like, and I'm, I'm sure you dealt with this too, but I mean, with guests, people, people jump off, like people have to reschedule. People can't do things last minute. And like, I think there's just that like before show anxiety, of things that can go wrong. And then once you're on, 
like it's totally fine. And there's something too about doing the live thing, like doing uh you know, like doing live radio was always like that. Like when I was on a top 40 station doing like an all request hour in the mm. afternoon, like I mean, you, there's not a lot to be anxious about, but you still have this anxiety of like shit, is the computer like not gonna work? Like, you know, are people gonna call in? Like, are we gonna be able to fill the request? Like, what am I going to say? How do I start this and that? And then, yeah, the second you get on, it's like, it's, it's almost like you don't have to think you just kind of do it, you know, you autopilot. Can, yeah. You can kind of go on and in a good way, like autopilot yeah. like in a way where it's like just a second nature of like, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to mess this up. Like I'm okay. I can, I can continue on. So I definitely know what you're talking about. And I don't know. I think it's, a. have heard enough people talk about it and people have done it way longer than I have to realize. I don't think it ever fully goes away. I think it, I think it can get better, but I don't think you'll ever get to the point where you're like numb to the fact that like you're, which is probably, again, if you are, that's maybe not a good thing. Right. You always have some kind of like, oh yeah, because like, you care about what you're going to put out. You know, you have a little bit, you care about the quality. I hate when I feel that way, but I, at the same time, I agree. I know it's the best feeling. And if that ever goes away, then maybe I'm, maybe I need to change something up or, or I'm doing something that's not satisfying anymore. Like, or it's not, it's not fulfilling. Like, I think that's what it is. I think that's what the butterflies are. It's this fulfilling, it's this fulfillment. I don't know when I get too philosophical here, but, um, yay, philosophical punk rock. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I agree with you. Oh, wholeheartedly that if the butterflies go away, something's wrong. Yeah. You don't, you don't like, that's a different kind of, you know, like you said, like you can go on autopilot and it's a good thing. Cause in a way of like, just starting, like you, you know how to do it, but there's the other autopilot where like, you're just kind of like, yeah, I've done this a million times. And I'm just going to kind of like phone it in, you know? And I, I think that's that other side of it that can happen where, yeah, if you don't care at all and you yeah. just kind of mail it in, um, you know, and that can probably only work for so long until I, I think people can see through that as well. You know, if you get yeah, on, it'll just burn there. out. But uh, I can I can totally see where that would come with like live music too. I think anything you like do live and like in the moment, there's just kind of that like again, like oh no, there's not there's not a lot of room for error. There's not a lot of I can't edit this. I can't like redo or something. It's like everybody see like you know if you screw up, people people hear and see that screw up. Uh, you of know? course. But, uh, but yeah, so that is, that is a, uh, a, a big part, I think of like performing and stuff. And I, we're definitely, I want to hear about uh red Rover, your old band and yeah. like talk about music and all that kind of stuff. We'll, uh, we'll start like, you know, like, again, I talk about, I talk a lot about on here. I feel like I can have guests like from with, within the scene that we're talking about, but like for people who weren't there for maybe people who aren't as familiar, like like just a like maybe quick rundown like like describe to us that that scene in new jersey in the late 90s and the early 2000s with like punk and ska like you know why like why it's kind of significant you know what i mean like obvious obviously like quarantunes was based around it and i mean there's little podcasts about it and stuff like yeah you know, just give like just a quick little rundown maybe for people who don't know about about the uh you know scene that we're talking about cool thank you yeah i so uh, i I feel like we were a collection of people. And when I say a collection, it wasn't like 20. It was like 2,000, 3,000 people um, who didn't quite understand at the time how special it was. Like if we, if you asked any, any of us in 1999, would we even care in 2020 or 2021 or 2022? Uh, 
we'd probably be like, whatever, like we're not, you know. Um, but what we were doing um, was something truly significant and special and something that really impacted the music industry. So, you, you know, a lot of people talk about the late 80s, early 90s Seattle scene, right, as grunge blew up and all this stuff. I don't really see much difference in what we did in New Jersey in the late 90s, because if you look at the early 2000s, we had a lot of people that played in little punk bands in Legion Halls and firehouses in uh, Elks Lodges and in basements that have gone on to massive success in the music industry. And, you know, back then it was just like, we're just playing shows together or we're just watching them play at shows. So, so that scene really, um, and I'm sure we're going to definitely dive deep into some of the bands and some of the styles of music okay. uh, and the songs. But um, if, if you, if you're not familiar with that New Jersey scene, um, just know that it was, it was like a collective uh, that came together and it was like everything happened at the right time for the right reasons. And it lasted for a number of years. And I, I was even, well, I felt late to the party. Like, I feel like this was going on in like 1993, 1994, 1995. But a lot of the people that I kind of hung out with and ran with um, seemed to get into it around 96, 97. Um, and then by 2003, most of the people were kind of like, it kind of fell apart because the major labels came calling. I don't, I don't know if you've read the book Sellout. I'm halfway through it, but I've not yet. But I keep hearing so much about it. I need I need to read it. Just just read it because you. I mean, and they go into some bands that were a lot bigger too, and they weren't New Jersey bands except I think Thursday. But it, it but it was happening. It was the the bigger indies and the and the major labels came calling and came in, and then there was like this jealousy of how they get signed to this label and how do we get signed? Why did they get signed? We're better than them. And, and it kind of just broke apart. Um, and, uh, and, but some people just stuck with it and kept going and they skyrocketed. I mean, I, I've, I've got, I've got many, many names I'm sure we'll mention tonight of, of oh, people totally. that just totally like blew up and, and had, a, had, had, or still have tremendous careers in music. Well, I like I have a couple thoughts of like what you were talking about and like one right away, like you, you're like bringing up like the Seattle scene and grunge and stuff. There truly is a like a connection to like that scene you guys are part of and even like present day popular music. Like even one thing I'm, I was just thinking about and you're like talking about that. I mean, everyone's talking about that when we were young fest right now. How many of those bands on that list started as New Jersey bands or at least have members? that were in those old like like still and that's just one like you can even get into pop music and you're talking about people who are playing those shows like jack antoff or whatever yeah, uh, antonoff yeah. like there's like guys like that who are like in my like really big like where it's like oh yeah you can connect all of that back to yeah. like the scene you guys are a part of which is insane and the other thing i want to say that uh and it seems so genuine because you're not the only one who has said this and it's crazy to me and it's something that always sticks with me is that you guys didn't realize at the time that it was just a local scene, which yeah. again, if people don't realize this, like you said, there's like 2000 of you, like local scenes vary. Like there's so many places where you would kill to have 20 people show up to your show on Friday night. Like I've talked to so many people go, yeah, that wasn't a problem there. There'd be three like sold out shows 
in a weekend. It would have you would have no problem with people showing up. Like that's not nor like it kind of is an anomaly in a lot of ways because I don't think that and also that it's New Jersey. It's not like we're saying Chicago or New York City or Boston. Right. You're not talking really about a specific city. You're talking about like an area. You know, you're talking I- about a whole state because yeah. we had and and you can talk to anybody that played in that scene now and it's like. It, 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 the group I started used to be North Jersey pop punk 94. And then a couple people, a lot of people from South Jersey and central Jersey started jumping on. They're like, why don't you just rename the group to New Jersey? And I, I, I wanted to fight it at first. And then I was like, no, because we used to go down to Bordentown or, you know, the, the Derby firehouse or, or Cheesequake in central Jersey. We, we used to travel to go to shows because whoever was booking, it was like whoever could get the band, the the fastest or the best i mean there was a handful of people who were who were promoting shows and they would make connections with booking agents so you're talking about you know it's not like um where like chicago right you might have the metro or the fireside bowl right oh, or yeah. new york city back then you'd have like irving plaza coney island high you'd have you'd have just like a couple of places that these people might play with New Jersey, you've got like 30 people that are 30 places that they could play on any Jeez. given weekend. So there was like almost like, you know, fights to get it, uh, to get the show, to get the band there. And then people would travel. But then if another band was coming through, they might be playing in a different part of the state the next night. And people would just go to that show. I mean, that was what we did. We would go to the shows. We'd travel to the shows. And then afterwards, we'd end up at a diner together and then, you know, people would go off and kind of do their thing. But I mean, we, I spent many, many nights, uh, in a, in a, a, a small venue that was not designed to, it wasn't a club. Right. <laughs> and then end up at a diner drinking coffee and smoking a lot of cigarettes back then. Like, thank God I quit now, but, but, uh, but that's what we did. That was what we did. That's I mean that sounds so fun and also very uh, New Jersey the hang out at diners that seems like a very, I feel like that's very a very New Jersey thing. There's but, at least one in every town. Oh I I mean just someone who's like just driving through Jersey like I yeah. totally which I love it like I love that you can just find these all night diners all around but it it very much is like one of those regional things I feel like like you don't see that all around no. the the country but like that's just so it's just so like neat and like really like I don't think you have to explain that to people because again if anyone is a part of a local scene be it a small town or a major city like it just doesn't work that way like even even going back to Chicago real quick maybe Chicago has the scene but what the hell is the rest of Illinois like you know what I mean like people there's maybe pockets there but you're going to like that city it's not like oh we're also going to this random town like three hours down you know kind of thing so like You know, again, we'll get, we'll get more into that stuff, but we will get a, a couple songs played here. And you're kind of thrown on the spot. I, I gotta say, okay. I, I've I've left you like picking uh, the playlist mostly tonight. But like, maybe to start off, like, what are a couple songs that you would kick off tonight's episode for? For maybe people who don't know the scene. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of your own preference, but maybe like, I mean, one, two, even like three songs, like whatever you got of like an intro like we're talking about we're talking about this scene right now for people and maybe there's people right now who are going to hear something from them for the first time like what do you what do you play from that scene 
I know All that's right. broad. That's a broad question. It's broad. And one of them I'm going to go out, a little outside of New Jersey to Pennsylvania totally fine. Totally um, fine. because they played a ton in New Jersey. But I really feel like, um, you know, two of the bands that that I was close with, with their members and, and that I was friends with that I think really kind of shaped a lot of what was going on in, in North Jersey uh, would be Humble Beginnings. Uh, and one of the songs they did a little bit later, see Gabe Supporter from Midtown and and uh, Cobra Starship, he was in Humble Beginnings early on. Uh, but uh, after he left the band, they did a song called Southern California. I'd love to hear that one. Um, Weston, who's my favorite band of all time. Uh, they're from Pennsylvania, but they played uh, they played New Jersey. So my favorite song by them would probably be No Kind of Superstar. And... I have to say Lane Meyer because Lane Meyer really was a big influence on us and, and a lot of people in the scene. And I, l- luckily I, I'm still fortunate enough to be friends with all them. Um, picking a song. Um, well, you did, you did kind of put me on the spot. There's a cut. There's the, the, the best song or my, my favorite song. I can't say on the radio. Oh, um, I know. The one with your boy, you and your boyfriend, with your boyfriend. Yep. Okay. We can uh, put that one. Yeah, I think we can do that. So if, if those are three songs that we can kick it off with, that would be great. All right. Well, then we will right now play some Weston, play some uh, Lane Meyer, and we will play, oh, my God, what was the first band you said? Humble Beginnings. Humble Beginnings. And we will play those, and then we will come back and uh, chat more about uh, about all this great New Jersey music right here on the Power Chord Hour. <laughs> But 
Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Caudill from Game Face. You're listening to the Power Chord Hour on 107.9 WRFA. host for the evening, Jay Vix. Uh, I'm a little bit older than Anthony, but I don't have as good of a voice. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that set. Uh, we had uh, Lane Meyer, uh, which we're going to be sensitive about the title, was F You and Your Boyfriend. Uh, Weston, my favorite band of all time uh, with No Kind of Superstar. And then my boys in Humble Beginnings with Southern California. So um, hope you like that block. Anthony, back to you. All great, all great picks. And uh, again, thank you, uh, Jay, for being our uh, co-host tonight. We are playing, uh, we are playing NJPP pop punk ska from New Jersey, late '90s, early 2000s. Talking the music, talking the uh, times, and uh, you know, I wanna, I wanna kind of go back before, before those songs. I know we were talking about, uh, like you getting into the, into the scene around. I think you said like '97 was like around the time you, you probably got into it. Yep. Like, were you where were you before that like were you a big music fan before you found the scene were you into punk rock already like like what were you listening to before you discovered the scene 
Yeah, really interesting. Um, and I'm so glad you asked that question because I think about this often. So I've always liked like punk rock music that was more commercialized that I had heard. Like I remember skateboarding in middle school to the Dead Milkmen, uh, Seven Seconds. Uh, I, I've always liked the Ramones. I like the Misfits. Uh, but I didn't quite realize that there was this scene, right? And um, so through middle school and high school, as much as I like that, like I kind of went with the trends. I went through like eighth grade and freshman year, I went through a big hip hop scene. It was exploding. Like Yo MTV Raps was on and nice. Naughty by Nature was a big deal. And Das Effects was a big band, a big hip hop group and, and the Fushnikins and Tribe Called Quest. And I really went through like a big, big phase uh, of hip hop. And I really liked that for a couple of years. Um, but then Nirvana came and blew my mind. Um, and I also was getting into what was considered at the time classic rock. It's probably still considered classic rock, although now that the Seattle grunge scene is considered classic <laughs> rock to this generation, yeah, this which is point. really weird. Um, <laughs> but I did. I went through a big phase where I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan. I still love Led Zeppelin. Uh, the Beatles. I went through a big Beatles phase. Um, so I listened to a lot. I got away from hip hop and went into like, not that not only did I go into rock, I went into all like areas of rock that I could. And uh, in 1997, ni late 96, early 97, I started dating a girl who went to these shows. And my previous girlfriend had had told me, oh, there's these weird kids hanging out at the Elks Lodge in Booton on Friday nights. And I was like, I don't know what that's all about. And then later on, I date, I started dating this girl and, and uh, she's like, we're going to go see this show. And I was like, where is it? She's like, Booton, uh, Booton American Legion. I'm like, oh, I put two and two together. And um, that was, uh, I went to see a show and it was Humble Beginnings was playing and there was a band from Chicago called Oblivion. And uh, oh, they, had, they did a split together, right? They did a split together. I have yeah. Split. yeah. Yep. And Gabe was still in Humble Beginnings. And and uh, and that's where I kind of kind of started to understand what it was. And I was like, all these people come to these shows. And and it was even more amazing that I'm thinking nobody's drinking, nobody's like doing drugs everybody's just here for the music and it's it was fascinating and i was a little bit older at that point because i graduated high school in 94 so i was already 21 22 uh and a lot of the the kids at shows i mean there are a few my age but uh but yeah a lot of them were like 15 16 17 18 years old uh but i was like i just was taken aback i was like this is this is really cool it was it was different and I, I had never experienced anything like that. I didn't know you could just have shows in these these places. That the the other interesting thing about that, which I mean, it, it kind of I don't know if I've ever thought of it much before, but it's interesting you just brought up where like it doesn't sound like like I mean I'm sure there was partying and shit, but like it sounds like it was genuinely for the music. Like it wasn't a thing like oh we all went there because it was a place to drink underage. It sounds like everyone was there genuinely was there for music like it was like that was what people were there for that that was genuinely what they wanted it wasn't kind you know what i mean it wasn't an excuse to just get out of the house or shit like they really cared about the bands playing 
Yeah, look, I'm I'm not saying that people weren't going to parties or drinking before a show or doing whatever else they might have done. Oh yeah, obviously. It, it was it was it was I'm sure it was there. I just didn't really see it. Um and there was a big straight edge movement going on at the same time. I mean, there was a lot of straight edge bands, uh a lot of people who, you know, I mean, you, you, you say Fugazi in a punk rock circle at the time, which, which at, at that time was, I don't know if there were still straight edge or what, I mean, it's very vague, but, but um, at that time you had Snapcase and a lot of the hardcore bands were very much preaching straight edge. And I think a lot of the people that I met and hung out with were kind of in that clique, but, but they didn't really mind the people that might've been, you know, intoxicated at the shows. It was just kind of, it, they just maybe not a hung out, but they still were at the same show. They still like the same bands and they were going to be friendly to one another. So um, yeah. So it was like a melting pot, uh, which was interesting. That's pretty cool. Like, um, and it kind of sounds like maybe you never did, but like, did you ever fall in that trap? Like where, and maybe it was after you found the scene where like, you kind of only listen to like punk and ska or like, did you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, did you ever fall into that? Which I mean, maybe not. Cause by the sounds of it, you kind of jumped around and listened to different things, but did you ever get to that where like, you kind of start missing out on stuff? Cause all you were listening to is like, you know, punk and ska. Well, I, I missed out on anything that was popular outside of the scene. Um, because there are songs now that like my wife knows that she's like, I can't believe you've never heard this song. It was all over the radio for like a whole year in 1998. And I'm like, I didn't listen to anything that was on the radio in 1998. But, but as far as within the scene, I was never much of a big hardcore fan. There were a few bands that I loved Snapcase. Um, I did get into sick of it all, but, but hardcore was kind of that one genre that I really didn't go down. I really, the screaminess, not under, I like the lyrics and I like the I'm melody on all of this. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of always, um, it, I, I would, I would support friends bands, but I didn't always, uh, it wasn't something that when I jumped in the car, I was putting something on, uh, you know, um, so yeah. And, and the other, on, on the flip side of that, I listened to a ton of pop punk, and ska and everybody who says that they hate ska or ska is dead they can kiss my butt because i still to this day love it and i actually yesterday morning i was taking my i have a six-year-old daughter who if anybody's ever heard me on anything live before you know i talk about i talk about her all the time uh on the way to school yesterday we were playing real big fish turn the radio off in my car and she's learning how to whistle. So she was whistling the horns in the car, in the back seat, in her car seat. And it was like a proud dad moment. It was really cool. That's pretty rad. That is, <laughs> rad. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get the, uh, the attack on ska, but now I feel like it's kind of turning around now. It's like, including now that there's like kind of fourth wave of like ska bands. There is. Out, there's, there's less shit talking. I, I noticed people are, People are maybe finally, which Scott's amazing. Like if you don't let, like you don't like fun music that you can like dance, you know what I mean? Like it's like punk rock. You can dance to and have fun and move around. Like you don't like that. Like, yeah. It's, so it's insane. we went, my wife and I went to Jamaica a few years back and 
one of the things that I really wanted to explore and talk to people about was the history of their music because um, before reggae was ska and before ska was mento. And I was not familiar with that. I had never heard of mento before. And I considered myself like kind of like a, a ska fan. Uh, well, at our hotel, there was a mento band that was playing. It was three guys. They must have all been over 85 years old <laughs> and they were just playing. And I, my wife and I were out there and I didn't want to, I wouldn't leave. Like we, I was going to sit and I listened to everything they did because it was so fascinating. So for anybody who wants a little backstory on ska, go look up Mento and Jamaica and Prince Buster and just prepare to have your mind blown. But yeah, so I do, I love ska and the origins of it and studying it. And, and I love Jamaica. So for me, it's, it's kind of, um, uh, I don't know where, where I'm going with this, but, but uh, my, the train derailed, but, but you don't have but, to know yeah, where you're going with it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, um, it, it really is. It's, it's the music that I think really just hits me. Uh, pop punk is still kind of home in my, in my heart, but, but ska is definitely one of those genres. And I know I'm going to eat some crow for this uh, <laughs> later from some of my friends. Um, but it really is. It's one of those that I find the most fascinating and the one that I really appreciate the culture because I also like reggae a lot. And yeah. um, and knowing where it kind of came from uh, is is just it's really there's a there's a long history. It's been around a lot longer than pop punk. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, I mean, just like, yeah, like Scott didn't it start with like Operation Ivy. You know? That's right. <laughs> so much shit where it's like, it's so rad that you can, you can go back and like discover all that, which I'm totally with you. Like, no matter what you listen to, it's insane that people don't go back and figure out the roots of where this came, like influences of what you, which really, to be honest, on that subject is how I even discovered like your scene is going oh, damn, like, I, I like Midtown, or I like this band or that band, and going, oh, like, Gabe was in this band. Oh, wait, there's this band, and then you go you go read liner notes. You go, oh, damn, they toured with this, like, you know. Down it's the insane. rabbit hole. Yeah, like, you, like, people, like, I just don't get why people don't do that more, including in the day and age with, like, the internet and everything. It's like, it blows my mind, people who live in a bubble of, like, they like that one thing but seem to be lost on, like, what created it or the reason it even exists like you know what i mean you don't even have to always like it you could go back and maybe you're not into it well at least go see what you know what you love is like derived from that's why i love you anthony because i feel like you and i are just such kindred spirits every time we talk we kind of we kind of that's we we both do the same thing and I, i love that so no it's always it is uh always really fun i always like uh talking music with you and like hearing more uh about the scene and everything I I was actually I will kind of throw this one at you, but I thought we'd maybe play one or two songs right now. And since we're talking about ska, yeah, like one or two good like ska songs. I mean, we're really I'm gonna let you pick here because it can be it can even be maybe a band that maybe played around you. It doesn't have to be exactly from the scene, but maybe ones that maybe one or two that you saw in that time or played New Jersey a decent amount. Like maybe two ska bands from that era. All right. So there were there were really several in New Jersey. We had a lot of ska bands. As a matter of fact, one time my old band, Red Rover, uh, played a show and we were the only non-ska band that was playing. 
uh, and I'll never forget. It was it was John Randall, our singer. It was his. Uh, I don't know what birthday it was. Maybe his twentieth birthday or something. But uh, or twenty. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't matter. But we were the only. All the rest of the lineup were ska bands, and we get up on stage. And John apologized to the crowd at the fact that our horn section was out sick that day. Um, and, uh, but in New Jersey, we had a bunch of great ska bands. Uh, I'd have to go back. My my buddy, Josh Bohemus from Right Turn Eddie. Uh, He's been on taxi- show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D- Dave Flores was in uh, the Taxi Cab Samurais. Uh, one cool guy, one cool guy was like a meteoric rise and then they kind of broke up, but they, I think they would have gone on to bigger, bigger and better. But then you, you have, you know, some other like Folly was a ska hardcore band and they had these crossover bands. Um, if it'd be hard to pick one or two, but I would, and then if I were going outside of the scene, some of my favorites would be Less Than Jake, Real Big Fish. Um, so I think it'd be cool. Lesson Jake played a lot in New Jersey. So even if we could do, yeah, if we could do, um, gosh, do, uh, automatic, um, would be a good one, uh, little kind of, uh, ska punk crossover. And then if, if we could do one from one of those Jersey bands, like right turn Eddie or taxi cab samurais, or even one cool guy, uh, that would be really cool. We'll do right turn Eddie. We'll do something for Josh. We'll we'll give Josh a shout out. We'll, we'll, uh, We'll do that. And that is actually like um, like with the Lesson Jake thing, I think that's a good connection because, uh, I mean, our first ever interview on here, Steve Neurotic from uh, Shower with Goats, yeah. we talked a lot about Lesson Jake, and he, he said they played a ton, which, I mean, also Vinny, their old drummer, was from New Jersey as well. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of New Jersey references. In, they uh, played all the time in New Jersey. Every tour they played in New Jersey. Every tour. Which, ironically, what's the one song, never coming back to New Jersey? It's later on in Losing Streak. Yeah, there's, there's the one with that that start. The I'm from New Jersey. Yep, that, that great song. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. About it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. That record's so good. I I uh, I think I think Less Than Jake works. So right now on the Power Chord Hour, you're gonna hear some Less Than Jake automatic, and then we'll play something from Right Turn Eddie, and we'll let you know what that is when we get back right after these songs right here on the Power Chord Hour. This is the old dude Howard J. Reynolds, and you're listening to Less Than Jake.
Hey, this is Roger from Less Than Jake, and you're listening to the Power Chord Hour. Nice. Josh's old band, uh, Right Turn Eddie with Wish You Were Cool. And just before that, we had Automatic by Lesson Jake. You're listening to the Power Chord Hour, and I've run out of ad-libbing to say. So I'm going <laughs> to send it over to the guy who really knows what he's talking about. No, nah, that, be- that, uh, <laughs> that was beautiful, Jay. And uh, you. yeah, if, if you're uh, just tuning in, we're playing all New Jersey pop punk ska with uh, Jay Vicks, our, uh, our, co- our guest co-host. Kind of the first time we've ever done this, like a guest DJ, basically. I mean, he's calling the shots. I'm throwing, I'm throwing him uh, on the fire, kind of. Yeah, definitely making you you choose. Normally, normally I have like a week to do this and fully know what I'm gonna play long before I uh, do it. But with you, I'm kind of like, here you go, choose. It's so much fun, though. (laughs) I like it. I like being thrown on the spot. The only thing is, I'm like, I can't remember some song names, but I do. I know all the bands and I, and, and just 
keep throwing curveballs. We're going to have a good time. I'm ha- I'm happy you enjoy it because I and I didn't realize this, but another curveball question is like asking people what they've been listening to lately, things like that. You don't yeah. realize until you ask them, and then like they're almost. I mean, they, they almost hate you. I think for asking it sometimes, like it's it's surprising some of the questions that throw you on the spot, but they do. It it, uh, it happens. That's a tough one, but uh, yeah, if it would be really easy for me to answer anything from a Disney soundtrack, I have a six year old, uh, so that would be my answer. All Disney, all <laughs> Disney soundtracks, nice. All Disney, all the time. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it. You 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 brought up a few venues already, but I mean bringing up just how big how big the place was and all these places to play like what were a few venues that were kind of like like what were a few of like the more you know like well-known venues in in new jersey where uh where you would normally go to see bands play yeah for yeah for for me um you know the wayne firehouse is always kind of number one near and dear to my heart because as a band, Red Rover, we would say we were from Wayne. Like we had, we, that's pretty much, you know, where our central home base was, was Haledon, which is right next to Wayne. Um, so the Wayne Firehouse, uh, the Palace down in Boundbrook, New Jersey, that was a, a big venue that uh, put on a ton of shows. Uh, the Manville Elks Lodge, uh, there was Garfield and Nutley, but I always forget whether it was the American Legion or the Elks, uh, Booten, Booten had the Elks and the American Legion. Uh, so basically if there, and then we did a record release, we had a quite a, a number of really good shows at the West Patterson American Legion. So, uh, we were fortunate. Uh, I don't know why these people kept renting halls, their halls out to us, but I've feel like they they did because again collective scene we wanted shows to continue we didn't really want to ruin a good thing so i feel like for the most part we treated the places with with some respect uh there were incidents uh i feel like there was a there was an incident of a show i was not at where there was uh popcorn and popcorn butter everywhere um yeah and i think that was maybe the last show at that venue but uh I know, I know Rob Heiner and Dave Flores and a bunch of other people could probably tell that story. Some other guys from, from that, that, uh, that scene that I'm still friends with today. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, apparently everybody's slipping all over the place and there was, yeah, but, uh, juvenile, but I th- fun. juvenile fun, but I think o- overall, and then if you went a little bit further South, we had like the cheese quake, there was the Derby firehouse, which was down by Bordentown, I think. And, uh, Trenton had some stuff, but um uh but yeah for me mostly north uh and a little bit of central jersey but north jersey oh and we had skaters world which skaters world was a really cool roller skating rink and they had a little stage off to the side it's where we played our second new jersey first or second new jersey show uh skaters world had a very famous show where the get up kids opened for jimmy world and um i was at that show I went to see Jimmy Eat World. The girl I was dating, same girl that introduced me to the scene, she had a curfew. And I went there to see Jimmy Eat World and I wasn't really familiar with the Get Up Kids. And we had to leave after the Get Up Kids played before Jimmy Eat World played because she I had to get her home. Oh. So I went to see Jimmy Eat World not knowing much about the Get Up Kids, but I left being an enormous Get Up Kids fan. They blew me away and I didn't get to see Jimmy Eat World on that, on that tour. Uh, but, uh, but I, later I got to see them several times. So it, what, what year would this have been? 
1997. Damn. So would that would that be like Clarity and Four Minute Mile? Would Clarity be? wasn't out yet because I went to Clarity's sales then. It was. Uh, I went to Clarity's CD release show at Tramps in New York City. Oh my! I was God. there. I I have. Oh, I should pull it out. Well, we're not pull on it out. Whatever it is, pull it out. I'll get it before you and I are done. Okay. And if you ever want to show a clip of this, I have Jim Atkins' set list from the Clarity CD oh release show. God, he gave it to me. I stood right in front of him. I have it. And um, I will show it to you. You're showing it to me before we're done. You'll, while you'll we're on record. Yeah. And then and then uh, you can share it on your social media or whatever for the, the show. That is amazing. That is, awesome. that is. I mean, I, I know beforehand, before we were uh, recording, me and you talking about, uh, you know, Jawbreaker and Lemonheads. And I mean, yeah. More of more of like top 10 90s albums. Clarity is right up there with Dear You and uh It's a Shame About Ray. That that's that's insane. You got to see that. Clarity is my number one all-time favorite album. Like Weston is my favorite band, but Clarity is my number one favorite album of all time. So good. Hands down. It, it's it amazing. Is. It's amazing. There's something there's and I I I still love them. They've made a lot of amazing things, but there's just something about that record where it's like and I don't think you could make it again. Like, I feel like that's an album you make one time and it's like, don't even try to, don't even try to remake it. You can't recapture it. It was about as close to perfect as I've ever, I think that was a lyric in there. Uh, but it was, it was as, as close to perfect as, as there could be at that time. And of course, at that time, everybody was a big, you know, everybody wanted to record with Mark Trombino and um, uh, he did that album and it was so different but yet they seem to stay connected to the scene. I mean, all the pop punk kids loved that album. And, you know, I often have a conflict with emo and thinking that emo is more of like a screamy, quiet, screamy, quiet type of sound. And, and then a lot of people think of it as like just softer melodic stuff from that time period. I like, I never considered it emo. I, I just considered it pop punk crossing over to rock, but yet, attractive to the kids that know because jimmy Eat world was touring and they were doing they they had the street cred of a, a yeah. punk band you know um anyway yeah i go on and on about that album and and uh it's yeah, a perfect love, night drive like, like, like oh my gosh like driving at night there's not a better album you can listen to like late like there's not a there's not a better there's not a better one to just throw on and just play front to back it's, it's just it's amazing it's so emotional. I mean, gosh, that, that album. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so good. But, um, getting back to, uh, venues, like of all those places, do you, do you kind of have like one or two that are your favorite or like, you know, ones that of all those maybe you frequented the most? Yeah. And I forgot to mention summit, uh, Christchurch and summit. That was a good one. Wayne firehouse, hands down. Firehouse. I, I put shows on there. I've got a flyer right here. I, it's framed, but I put on a show at the Wayne Firehouse. It was um, it was Ultimate Fake Book, nice. Wayne Meyer, Humble Beginnings, the Dharma Boys, who were like our bros in the scene, uh, uh, us, and then a band called Enough Is Enough. And Enough Is Enough, we we added them to the show because we had just stolen their drummer to play guitar for us, <laughs> um, and. Um, I think we had some guilt. They, they were good. They were a good band, but I think we had some guilt that we just took CJ away from them. Um, so we're like, well, we'll put you on this show with us. And cause I had put it on. So I was allowed to do whatever I wanted and you can do that. 
Yeah, so I could do that. But um, Wayne Firehouse was my, it's my favorite all time. I mean, that that's the place that, that really, that was where I wanted to be. It's crazy that like, the, and I've, I've heard of like, again, like a testament to your scene that like someone who's never, like that I know what a firehouse is, that I've heard of Wayne Firehouse is like, that's crazy that that's a place yeah. that like bands played a lot and you hear of like crazy shows going on there. Like, again, just another reason why I love like kind of dissecting that scene. Cause it's, it's again, it's, I, I don't, I don't know many other places where you're like, Oh yeah, that fire hall. I think Erie, it was before I went to shows, but Erie, Pennsylvania, not far from me. I think years ago, kind of, kind of had a fire hall that kind of had like the same deal where like randomly I'll see some crazy lineups from like Oh two Oh three. And it's just, it's some like, like, yeah, some like fire hall that was in Erie, Pennsylvania, that was like long gone by the time I would have been interested in anything, but like, yeah, that, that it's so crazy to me. That kind of, they, they allowed a lot of people to put on shows. And of course, Ricky Gabe, Gabe supporters, brother, Ricky, Ricky Supporta, Um, he ran a collective called bomb shelter and they put on all the best shows. If you look uh, back at any of the flyers from those days, like he, chances are six out of 10 shows were put on by bomb shelter. So he would get all the biggest bands like J- Jimmy Eat world played the Wayne firehouse, uh, newfound glory, uh, dashboard confessional. We had Sam. I am jets to Brazil. They all played the Wayne firehouse. Yes. Everybody just, you know, it was like when they came through, it was like, yeah, they, they're going to play New York city, but they're also going to play New Jersey. Thank you so much for checking out tonight's episode of the Power Court Hour. I'm loving talking to my buddy Jay Vicks, our first ever guest co-host on the show. Really love uh, talking to him and playing music and all that great stuff. We're going to take a quick break, but stay right here because when we come back, we have a whole lot more for you. And uh, as we go into break, I'm actually going to leave you with another NJPP song. Actually, a little bit of a newer one, a uh, a band from the classic scene, but this is one from just a few years ago. And uh, my buddy Steve Neurotic of Shower with Goats, who uh, very first interview ever on this show back in November 2016. And, uh, you know, always got a soft spot in my heart for uh, Shower with Goats. And uh, talking about, really, that was the first thing we ever talked about on here. Because he came on and talked about that and his split with Krista Makes of Less Than Jake that he put out as well. Which, funny enough, we just played some Less Than Jake. But anyway, here is some Shower with Goats, Pathetic Life. Stay tuned because we got a whole lot more for you. Three more hours. We're going four hours tonight right here on the Power Chord Hour. Wash my hands up, you and move on with my 
Welcome back to hour two of tonight's episode of the Power Court Hour. We're going four hours with tonight's guest, Jay Vicks. We are talking New Jersey pop, punk, and ska of the late 90s, early 2000s. He's our first guest co-host ever and uh, really fun. And we're still keeping the theme of our uh, first episode of the month. Very happy February to you. And uh, playing all NJPP as picked by uh, tonight's guest, Jay. So uh, we're going to get back to it right now and right here on the Power Court Hour. You know, I, I, and I know you said you're kind of like later on, so like maybe not being like the ground floor, maybe you don't know it as much, but maybe you would from just going, but I feel like you guys solved an issue and that's finding places to play. Like you, like maybe you don't have Irving Plaza. Maybe you don't have like, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't have yeah. those big name, just traditional venues. So you guys kind of made them, you know what I mean? You yeah. took churches and VFW, like instead of going, well, shit, we're just a small, you know what I mean? And kind of like going you do have the city there and you do have these things kind of going against you. Like in some scenes, I think you just go screw it. The music scenes over there. If you want it, you got to go there for it. Like instead you guys are like, no, like we just got to make do with what we have. And it seems like that's kind of how it was. Like most of the venues you've brought up are not your conventional venues. You know what I mean? Some of them are, but they're not, they're not, you know, they were probably weren't first built to have yeah. to have these punk and ska bands play at every weekend they, they weren't they weren't clubs they were like i said legion halls elks lodges american legions or i guess i said that Le- legion halls american legion um and elks lodges and and they really and fire and the wayne firehouse they they really that's what they were designed for they weren't designed for shows um <laughs> but i guess you know think about it if it's like extra revenue to rent out a place and they took a risk of letting, you know, 15 to 25 year olds come in. Um, but we had to bring everything in. Like if you, if it was a big band, I mean, I remember Ricky had st- stages to be set up and, and PAs and, and, and all the equipment and the sound guy and all the stuff had to be, come in that day and then be taken out that night and everything had to be clean. And that's I mean, amazing. And, and it was done. It was somebody had to take ticket, like, you know, take money at the door and give give wristbands or whatever. I mean, there was Ricky had probably a team of 10 working on, uh, you know, just and and most volunteers, you know, just to to make sure that everything ran smoothly. The behind the scenes too, like like the fact that that, again, it can get to that. And the fact that you're all so young, too, that all of this is kind of a self-sufficient scene that's like running itself. You're booking the shows you're playing the shows, you know, you're getting the bands from out of state in like all this, like it's insane when you start thinking about it. Cause again, it's like, it's very like, it sounds like young kids who wanted something to do and for their bands to play and for their favorite or just to book their favorite bands even. Mm-hmm. And like, like, again, it's not something you see a whole lot, but like that's crazy to think of also that the age thing that like, I mean, 
the oldest ones are like mid twenties. Like you guys, yeah. you guys are like putting all this stuff together with uh just again very very little and then the fact that yeah you do it's not just a show you do have to go clean up like you're saying they're setting up stages and like you know you got to sell tickets i'm sure there's some form of promoting like there's there's other sides to it that like you know there's more than just showing up playing a show and leaving and the fact that all that behind the scenes stuff could be done by the same people attending these shows and we just young people going to punk shows is just really like i mean again like what a what an amazing scene Promoting was great. Ricky used to spend like hundreds, if not thousands of dollars at uh, Kinko's printing flyers. <laughs> and, and I, he took me, uh, I remember being in the car. It was, uh, I'll tell you exactly who it was. It was, it was Ricky Supporta and it was Andrew Ellis from, uh, he's a huge booking agent. He booked for everyone back then. I don't know how many, I don't know if he's still in the industry, but he was in the car uh, Ricky's younger stepbrother, Eric was in the car. And then John from my band and myself, there were five of us. Ricky took us down to Philly to promote, uh, this, it was a show. It saves a day in newfound glory that, that red Rover was on. And he said, Hey, uh, come down help flyer. But the show we're going to in Philly is Fugazi. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, yes. <laughs> so we go, we go to see Fugazi. And at the end of the night, Ricky says, go up to this. It was at um, the electric factory in Philly. He said, go up to the second level. And he showed me exactly how I have to hold this stack of like 300 flyers. He's like, if you hold it the right way, at the end, if you flip it, they'll all scatter down to the first floor. He's like, but when you do it, just kind of walk away like, you know, like it wasn't you. You're right. So, and I'm at the time, I'm like, sure, man, I'll do that. You know, like what's the worst that could happen at the end of the show? I'm going to get thrown out. Right. Well, I went up and instead of flipping it one way, I flipped it the other way and it just kind of didn't scatter nearly as far. And then I started walking down and he's like, what were you doing? And anyway, enough people came to that show, but, uh, but yeah, I got to see Fugazi and I got, then that's how, that's how we promoted shows. It was flyers. I would go to a show and I'd walk home with like, or not walk home, but I would drive home with like five or six flyers. So there was of, of shows. Sometimes they were the same night. Sometimes they were just other nights in a weekend. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd always come away with flyers and, and somebody's little zine that they're trying to publish. That was, that's, that was that's awesome. Yeah. Like again, like because there's like within the scene, like there's things also. It sounds like for people, like even if you don't play the shows, you can book the shows. You can put the zine, you know, do the zines. You can promote them. Like it's a like, job for everyone. Yeah, like I think that's yeah. again, that's so neat. It's not something that you see. I feel like a lot of you know, like it, like at all. Like I'm see, still. That's so, it's so weird to me. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, it's, it's normal so for you, and I get that. Like it's it's like if you're a part of it, it has to be right because it's like you don't think differently. That's your local scene. That's just that's local. It's not even going somewhere else. That's your like your place. Your your like home territory. And it's yeah. like yeah, that's normal. That's that just was normal. that was just what happened. And then when you you know when when other other people in other places, we went on tour and we were in the Midwest. And we were playing to like 10, 15 people and they were all in awe of our scene because they didn't know to do any of that stuff. And, and uh, I remember we played in uh, Bridgeport, Illinois. It was a, a little uh, place called Seed Park. 
it was a rundown schoolhouse that this this old guy had bought it and he opened it up as a rec center for kids and they would put on punk shows i remember between two classrooms there was a half pipe and kids would skate in this half pipe i mean i don't even know what the the i mean insurance couldn't have been nobody would have wrote this guy an insurance policy like that could not this place was insured yeah yeah uh, but we played a fundraiser. Someone gets hurt. You play a fundraiser. That's you easy. play a fundraiser benefit show. Um, we we were we were getting ready to play, and a couple kids asked us, uh, "Where are you from?" And we said, "Oh, we're from New Jersey." And they were like, "Oh, do you know Humble Beginnings? Oh my God, do you know Lane Meyer? Because they had toured there and played there, right?" And we were like, "Of course, that's actually who told us about this venue to come play here." And um, but it was it was amazing how the the word of the scene and what happened would travel out. And it was it was great. It, and and really, even listening to you say like, "How did you think to do all that?" And it's like, "I don't know. It was just that's just what we did. It was normal." Yeah, and then, I mean, also because like getting getting that participation, like, because on top of the scene, you do you need audit, you need people coming to the shows, you need people yeah. promoted, like you need the interest, and the fact that there is also the interest, like, I mean, I can tell you from, I mean, Jamestown. Well, then again, I'm gonna say size, but that didn't matter for you guys. I mean, it's all of New Jersey, so population doesn't matter so much. But like, I think around here, music is hard because I don't think people are as supportive, and you need to have that from the get go. Like, you had people want to go to the shows like people are coming to the shows and stuff like i think you got to have that right away because you know you can you can have shows every day of the week but if three people are showing up which i think happens a lot i think there's a lot of people who there's probably a handful of people who are trying to get a scene going or make it work but it's a handful versus like the rest of you know the rest of the community and it's like that you had it sounded like everyone was on board like everyone was like really a part of that and like pitching in to make it what it was it, it was. And, and, you know, I mean, to everyone else's credit, like other states and other scenes, um, think about New Jersey. It's a small state. You can go from north to south in three hours, right? Or okay. east to west in about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. And we had like 8 million people crammed in there. So we had the population to support it, where if you go out to like Buffalo or you go out to um, I don't name name any other town that, that would get like fifteen kids to a show. Um, <laughs> you just didn't have the population hub like New Jersey. So for us, you know, it, it was like you know, kids tell other kids. There's flyers. People say, "Come with me to this thing," and then people get hooked, and then they're friends, and they're still friends to this day. And but we had a lot of pe- we had a big pool of potential people to come. And um, uh, where I think, you know, other places that might have a, a bigger population or a, a big population is, is much spread, much more spread out. You know, New That's Jersey, everybody's point. condensed. So not to take anything away from it, but I feel like it was the right place at the right time to have something like that. That also, I think, because it, it seems very much like it was a specific era and uh, everything like that. But That's a great point, too, because I think you probably have places where if you're i'm sure there's some scenes where people were broken up like like i mean you talk about it like the new jersey like pop punk and ska scene like you know there's different there's different kinds of things where there probably was certain places where if you're a ska punk band you play these shows if you're Mm -hmm. just a straight up punk band you play these shows if you are a emo like you know if you sound like the get up kids or something you play these shows like it probably was a little more kind of like all right we're in our we stay in our lane 
Whereas like you guys, it, it didn't seem like that. It seemed now, like yeah, not at all. Uh, you know, we would, we would play with, uh, we, we, well, only once, but, or twice, but, uh, Thursday and then Folly, who's a ska hardcore band, you know, you know, Thursday, and then we're playing. And then, you know, there's, uh, it was a, you, we didn't really care. Now there were shows and promoters where people wanted to get the right bands, the right fit for the right lineup. But oftentimes those were the shows that maybe two or three were on a tour together. So they just needed like an opener or two. The other difference about New Jersey was that we always had like six or seven bands playing in a night where anywhere else outside of the, the, the outside of New Jersey, your shows were like three, maybe four bands. Right. But typically just like three bands uh new jersey it was like let's see how many people we can cram in to a night and we would have we would have festivals where we had like i remember this one that uh Alyssa, uh Scades, i don't know if that was it but there was a festival and we had like 20 bands playing one day Jeez. Uh, and it was just like all day and it was crazy but I mean, new jersey was kind of like let's see how many how many bands we can get to play because what happens is somebody would get invited to play and they'd be like, Hey, I kind of owe this other band a favor. Can you add them? Or you'd say, Hey, can we put these guys on? And, and uh, people were trying to help each other out to get shows. This was before it kind of got chippy, um, you know, in in the early two thousands. But people were always looking like, Oh, these guys got us on this show. We kind of owe them this. So we'll ask on the next time we get asked, we'll ask if we can get these guys added. So um so that that happened a lot and then all of a sudden there's you know six or seven ba- the one show i did so it was ultimate fake book lane meyer humble beginnings red rover dharma boys enough is enough we had six bands on that show. Jeez. and i probably got asked by four or five other bands if they could play and i was kind of like eh, no we're we're, we're full <laughs> i mean i, I can't yeah I can't, I can't add anymore given the time that i rented the hall for and everything else you know you, without cutting but yeah you know, it was just, yeah to do it logistically yeah, that that part too, the crazy, like it's not like it's just one show like once a month or every other week. It's like you had you had choices. Like that's the other part. Like it sounds like yes. you had choices for things. Like you could go see a couple shows, you might go to this one and try to run to that one. Like again, just in insane, insane when you think about it. But like also that that drive is probably why a lot of those bands I think got big later. Like that probably wasn't a bad like jumping point. You know what I mean? Like that's not Absolutely. a bad place to come from like at all that that support there's a lot of people honestly probably bands who came to new jersey who would tell you they weren't from there but their best reception was probably new jersey like was probably better than hometown shows i'm sure that happened absolutely i can think of the bouncing souls who were huge and now they've very much embraced new jersey and and for the last probably 15 years they really embraced new jersey but there was almost like now yeah very much but there was a time in like the late 90s early 2000s when they first got big outside of new jersey that they kind of um seemed to lean more to tell people they were from new york Um, yeah i don't think they ever made it like a big deal but i remember people having a little bit of a they were upset because the bouncing souls all of a sudden oh now they're from new york we know where they're from but I mean, I, I, if if they've atoned for that, they've really atoned for that because for the last fifteen to twenty years, at least, I mean, oh, they yeah. have they have been they have definitely been a New Jersey band, uh, no doubt, no question, no doubt about it. 
no for for sure but there's i can't think of it yet and i was actually i was recording a podcast last night and i was talking about this there's some band and i can't remember now i think they're a philly band but they've i've heard them saying multiple things like but we're like new jersey like if they play a record release show or anything they played was really new jersey like yeah we're from philadelphia but no one really no one really cared until we right. went to new jersey like we had to go like over there you know <laughs> Which I'm sure, I mean, being that tri-state area too, or at least for parts of New Jersey, like I'm sure there were people coming over like, damn, look at our scene versus your guys's. Like, why don't we have this? Like, it was crazy. Like, jump yeah. on over to New Jersey. We, we would go into New York City and there'd be like 10 kids, 15 kids at a show that in New Jersey would pull 50 to 75. And it's like, this is New York City. And then, but all the kids would, all the kids that would go to the show were from New Jersey, so they'd all have to go to New York. So why not just go to the show in New Jersey? And then those bands would get a show in Jersey anyway. So plus New York for like, I mean, you know, for being as big as it is, I feel like there's so much competition and stuff where they're probably Tons. not thinking the way you guys are, where it's like it's like friendship, like that whole thing of like, oh, that band had our back, so now we gotta help them. A mm. lot of bands, I think a lot of scenes aren't like that. There's a lot of backstabbing and like, yeah. okay, you did that for me, who cares? Like kind of thing where you know, New Jersey doesn't seem, at least in the beginning, like it uh, like it was like that at all. And I'm sure New York seems like a place where, I don't know, I almost feel like if I was trying to make it in a band that's so saturated and yeah. I feel like so much like a competition just to try to get your name out there that I feel like it's so much the opposite of the kind of scene you guys had going on just a state over. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that Long Island eventually grew up a scene that was similar to New Jersey. Um, I don't think it was, you know, quite to the same level, although some of those Long Island bands became really huge. Yeah. You think about brand new and taking back Sunday and mm. um, uh, uh, movie life. And some of those, you know, there was, there was quite a few, uh, but they, they also, they were, they were very similar. And, and I know that we had people that New Jersey people would go, bands would go to Long Island and play and Long Island bands would come to New Jersey. And so there seemed to be some, some good cooperation with Long Island. They, they really, they were kind of like the, the other one in the area, but you had to skip through Manhattan to do it. So you got to get down there. Yeah. Yeah. To get there. We'll, uh, we're going to play a couple more songs now. And I think, you know, talking about venues and live music and everything, what is, we, I want to pick a song from I, the best live band you think there was in the scene. And also, and you know what? Maybe it's the same. I'll leave this to you. Best live band from the scene and most energetic live band from the scene. It might be the same. Maybe it's not. But I, I would say maybe our next two song choices being being from those categories. Yeah. So um, so one cool guy was like the, they put on the best shows. Um, and uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping we have some one cool guy uh, there. Um, always a great show. Folly put on a great show. They were a little bit harder, but they were kind of like that ska hardcore. And then our friends, the Dharma boys, I loved watching them play because they were so clean, so talented. Like as far as like best live band, they weren't as, they weren't the most energetic. They were, they were good, They were, but they weren't the most energetic. They were, they had energy. Uh, but just from, from like live band uh i definitely would say uh the dharma boys folly and one cool guy midtown was pretty good too um but they kind of came 
not later, but they were kind of turn of 2000. Um, but yeah, so if we could do something from the Dharma Boys and um, one cool guy, that would be amazing. Beautiful. We will uh, we'll play some right now. And uh, here you go, some more NJPP and Ska for you on tonight's uh, episode of the Power Chord Hour. Dead girl in my trunk. Dead girl in my trunk. There's a dead girl in my trunk. She gave me herpes. Don't believe me. Dead girl in my trunk. Met her on the street. Charged her buck a piece. She had a wee wee. Don't believe me. Dead girl in my trunk.
Oh, I'm a B-boy Standing in my B-boy stance Hand me giving the microphone Before I'm lost in my pants And they author My language My language My OCG is heavyweight Still in this building So there's no one's right out my mouth I won't get my life I choose I bet so many do I'm the youth that abuse it out I'm so confused Excuse me For example I'm an inspiration To a whole star nation I know that you got 10 seconds To get this an invitation I'm a of your imagination was one cool guy with what we do and before that was dharma boys with dead girl in my trunk we we're talking to a uh, guest co-host jay vix tonight we we're playing all uh njpp uh new jersey pop punk and ska uh late 90s early 2000s amazing amazing scene that we've been talking about and uh playing some songs from uh those bands and everything and uh speaking of bands that of that era we've talked a little but uh your band red rover that uh you were in i mean tell us how did uh how did red rover uh form and uh you know what did uh what did you play in the band what did you play in the band how'd you guys get started all that i love it i you know i'm so i was so excited when you were asking me to co-host and and when you said that you want to talk about red rover because for so long i've wanted red rover to kind of get back together and play a show like a reunion show. And it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's like the door is shut on that because of the way um, when we ended, like the drummer moved to bass and they got two new people and like from a, from a musicianship, it just, it can't happen. Um, Or it's like, it's just not going to happen. But I played bass in Red Rover and they, uh, the, the two of the guys in the band, John and Cameron, uh, still to this day, great friends. Uh, they were in a previous ska punk band in New Jersey called Billy Rivers. And that band was named after, uh, they were both fans of kind of the nineties grunge and pop music. So you had Billy for Billy Corgan and Rivers for Rivers Cuomo. So they were the Billy Rivers nice. uh, or just Billy Rivers. And, um, Billy Rivers had kind of dissolved and John and Cameron had a couple of songs that they were sitting on and they, John played guitar and sang and Cameron played drums and sang and wrote a lot of lyrics. Uh, There were, I saw an ad in a New Jersey magazine. I think it was probably the Aquarian, uh, which is kind of where everybody put these listings that, that this pop punk band was looking for a bass player. And I had only started playing bass about a year prior. Uh, So I wasn't very good, but I had a lot of energy and I could play what the rhythm guitar player was playing. So I could, I could play the root notes. Right. Um, So I went to try out and 
they taught me this song and in the song there was a short pause and when i kind of figured out that part we we played it through again and when the pause came i jumped and i came down right on the note and i <laughs> and i and i played it and and uh i was you know i was just energetic and i was moving around and uh a couple of days later they called me and they're like we'd love to have you in our band and i was like, really and from that moment on i was like you know trying to get us shows and doing what i could and and i made a lot of mistakes along the way but uh, uh in that time but uh yeah that's that's how i joined red rover that's awesome how long how long were you guys uh like around after that or how long were you in the band so i joined in and we formed in 1999 it was the summer of 1999 and we spent four months practicing before we played a show uh, we decided to play our first show out of state uh, because we didn't really want to sound terrible in front of our home state. So we booked a show in, yeah, we booked a show in Wilmington, Vermont. Uh, Cameron, the drummer, he had like pneumonia, but he still was a trooper and he went to play. Um, we played with some friends of ours from upstate New York in Orange County. They were called Flipside. And, um, uh we were terrible we were absolutely <laughs> freaking awful that night um well of course let me let me preface this i always thought we sounded fine but everybody else who was like real musicians they they were like uh no we weren't good and i could tell that night that we probably weren't um but anyway then uh so that was 99 we played our first show in in november then we came back and we played uh, New Jersey. We played a couple shows the following weekend. Um, I was in the band until April of 2001. I left for some very pathetic reasons. It was a girl and uh, that didn't last and I could have just stayed in the band. Um, so one of those regrets, although lots of other things in my life wouldn't have worked out the same way. Uh, so I guess I shouldn't regret uh, what I have today at all. I don't. Um, but, uh, but then because I left and then shortly after our other, our lead guitar player, who was CJ, who's now in dead bars, if you're familiar with dead oh, bars, yeah. so, yeah, dead yeah, bars so great. CJ from dead bars was our guitar player. And he left shortly after I did. Uh, so it was back to just John and Cameron. So they had to retool. So they brought in a cut one, uh, old friend of theirs and then another, another guy and they reformed. So, I think they started playing again like a year later and they went till about 2004, I think, or maybe five. Um, but, uh, and, and they did really good. Like the, the, the new lineup, the second lineup uh, reincarnation lineup was uh, very good musically. I was like when Cameron got from behind the drum kit to play bass uh, and Warren started playing drums. I, I just thought that they were just, the musically they had it they really did they had it uh had it down um but uh but of course i'm going to be biased and say that we had more energy in the first variation of the band but <laughs> i think i can get away with saying that i i think you're okay and <laughs> energy is a good thing energy that's is, right i feel like it's a good thing um what were some bands that you played with like during your time like you guys are playing out where there's some bands that you played with all the time yeah uh at this point, we played with the Dharma Boys, who we, we played earlier. 
we played with them all the time. We did it. We recorded a split uh, EP with them uh, as well. We also played with Humble Beginnings quite a bit in the that that form the 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 later iteration after Gabe and Evan when when Rob was in the band. Uh, Rob and I became like we're still to this day the closest of, of friends, but we, we would help each other get on shows and we played with humble beginnings the most. So those were the bands we played with the most, but some of the bands that we got, we're lucky enough to play with. We played with newfound glory. We played with saves a day. We played with Weston, which was my favorite of all time. So it was my favorite band, uh, river city high Juliana theory. We played with the strider who was seemingly blowing up at the time. And then they kind of just stopped, uh, Smack and Isaiah from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Now, Wilhelm Smack and scream. Isaiah, yeah, they became a Wilhelm scream uh, later. I didn't know that till like 2013, by the way. I had no idea that that was the, what happened. But uh, Nuno, uh, the singer, um, and I have connected on Instagram, and, and we've been chatting a little bit, which is pretty cool. Uh, we played with Thursday a couple times. I always like to tell the story. The first time we played with Thursday, they opened for us. But nice. That, but that but that really is um it was it was not for anything other than a logistical thing i think but the uh, and and uh they, they blew up very very fast um uh pensy prep we played with pensy prep now pensy prep frank aero from my chemical oh. romance played in pensy prep uh and then penfold who i love penfold brian played on quarantunes last year uh they they got really big in New Jersey. Everybody loved them, but we didn't realize how big they were. And then in like 2013 or something, because of they were on one of the Jade Tree Emo Diaries albums, apparently in Japan, they were like enormous. And in 2013, they reunited and went to Japan for a tour and like sold out every show. And they had no, I mean, they didn't really know how big they were and then they, they just show up in japan and yeah, crazy but so penfold they were they were amazing um but after i left red rover it's a quick little story right after i left red rover i was in new york city one day and i, I was in tower records and i saw this box and it said uh face to face looking for band local bands to open on their new tour and that that tour was face to face midtown in the movie life that was Damn. the tour. and you all they wanted you to do was drop your cd or demo into the box and i did it and i was already out of the band but i was like guys if you could get a show opening for this lineup at irving plaza in new york city like, you need to do it um well cameron the the who was playing bass at this point because i was out of the band uh, got a call from somebody with face to face or their management and invited them to open the new york show and red rover got to open for face to face i, I wish i was still in the band for that one too but uh but i always say that that's really cool that that uh that they got to do that that's really that, awesome. that is really that is really neat my god what a what a tour i wonder yeah. I've heard stories before, and I wonder if that's the tour where Midtown was kind of blowing up, like we're almost getting bigger than than face to face. I've I've heard there was a time where that kind of they were they were like on tour with them, but Midtown was kind of picking up, and face to face weren't really, you know, their their kind of days or maybe a few years before that. that that's yeah. what I heard. 
It's possible. It's possible because that you know at that same time that's all this shift was happening, right? This is like 2003, um, 2002, 2003. This 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 shift was happening where like some of these these bands were just all of a sudden going to this next level. And it, it's very possible. That sounds right from a timeline standpoint that that could have been possible. Um, I was going to ask you too, like as far as bass and stuff goes, like do you play at all anymore? Did you play in any other bands after Red Rover? I, I didn't play in any bands. I've played with some other musicians just, just kicking around. Um, I kind of put it down. I still have my bass and it still has all my stickers on it from nice. when I played shows. I've only owned one bass. Um, I've worked a lot on trying to get better at actually playing the guitar because I've never been able to play guitar. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, I don't play bass much. It's, it's hard to play bass by yourself, right? I mean, it's kind of yeah. hard because you're trying to rhythm to drums and guitar. Um, but I've, I've played a little bit, but my passion these days is um, I've been playing the ukulele a lot. It's nice. a, such a nice relaxing instrument and you can play like punk covers. And I, I played a, a violent femme song on a quarantine nice. to kick off the show one time. Uh, Very nice. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I love it. Uh, as a matter of fact, today I, I listened, I was listening to Sirius XM uh, and they, uh, death cab for cutie. I'll follow you into the dark came on. Oh, that seems like, uh, I immediately looked up how to do it on ukulele and I was like, <laughs> Ooh, this is going to be, this is going to take a little while to learn. It's a little bit tough. Couple of, couple of tough chords. But funny, we were talking about Midtown. When I turned on Sirius XM today, there was a Midtown song on this channel. Damn, really? And I text, I texted Heath and, and I sent him a picture, a screenshot of, I was like, I just turned it on. I've never pulled up Sirius XM on my laptop ever, um, but I have it on my phone. And I was like, well, I'm in the office, so I'll do it. And I was like, man, this was a, a cool way to kick off that experience. Cause that's Midtown's so funny. Playing. What a yeah. coincidence. Honestly, that's, that's it was wild, weird. actually. <laughs> that is so funny it is awesome but um um no cool cool to hear you're uh still playing stuff and ukulele i've never i've never played one i feel like it would be fun though it does sound relaxing like it'd be just kind of fun to like sit there and play look when we go to like we'll go to like myrtle beach or um just like coastal areas and there's something about sitting on a deck you could you know, see the ocean or hear the ocean nearby and just strumming it, you know, just playing a few different chords. Um, it really is. It's, it's, it's therapeutic. It, 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 honestly, it's, 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 and it's not a hard instrument to play. You can pick up, you can pick up uh, four or five chords and be playing songs in, in literally an hour or two. So oh, it's nice. really cool. Yeah, it's a really cool uh, instrument, and it's lightweight. You just carry it around with you. Yeah, you it bring it anywhere. Pound, you just take it with you. Yeah, I I think there's a uh, an NJPP all uh, ukulele covers album in your future. <laughs> I had never thought of that. Thank you, Anthony. And just I'm going to write that do down now. You NJPP should. I, I would. I would listen to that. I think that would be pretty rad, actually. I'd have to get. I would have to get the actual original singers to sing while I played it, and that would be even cooler. Some ska. You need some ska in there because it's probably fun just playing ups just on the. Oh, absolutely! Ska on the uke is great. Oh man, yeah. I I think you need. I think you need to do this. I think you just uh, blew my mind. (laughs) Everybody listening there, my mind is blown. Damn. Maybe we'll maybe watch in like a year. We'll have you back on here and we'll be promoting the new the new ukulele album. 
would be so much fun. I think you should do it. I genuinely think you should do it. But (laughs) music that is out now, I was going to ask you for our next uh, set of songs, a few Red Rover songs. And I mean, these can be, I mean, really your personal favorites if you want, but, uh, you know, a few for uh, people to hear. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. So if I were to look at the Red Rover catalog to give you a good thing, we, we had a song um, called every day that was on our split with the Dharma boys. And I feel like that was just, that's a good intro to Red Rover because we kind of um, it was kind of fast and poppy. And then we kind of slowed it down a little bit and you could call it emo or whatever, which I still don't like that term, but, um, but that was, that was a good one. We had some good vocals. I, I was enjoyed that song. Uh, the next one is one that we recorded, but we never really gave it a proper mix and a mastering, but it's, I know you can play it. Uh, it's called one more parliament and it's one that I wrote. And to me, it's, it's the best song that I ever wrote. In my opinion, I only wrote maybe three songs, but that was the best of the three. Um, and then, uh, the third one is one that I helped write early on and then they refined it and recorded it after I left the band and they named it after me. So they really? didn't spell my name the same in it. They, they spelled it V I X instead of V I C S, but it's called J Vix Megamix <laughs> because V I X and M I X, you know, but J Vix Megamix. So every day, one more parliament and J Vix Megamix. I love that. We're, we're going to play a, a block of red Rover for you right now. Right here on the Power Chord Hour.
from my former band from New Jersey called Red Rover. Uh, we kicked it off with One More Parliament going right into Every Day, and we ended it with the appropriately titled, well, that sounds bad, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, the name given after years truly, JVix Megamix, which actually was recorded after I left the band, uh, but I had was a part of helping them write it. So uh, they they named a song after me, and that's the only time that's ever been done. Probably the only time it ever will be done. So <laughs> I'll hold on to that from now till the day I die. Pretty pretty good song too to be to have your name attached to. Not a <laughs> not a bad song to be attached to. Oh, there could thank be you. worse. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> it could it could have been the worst song they ever wrote. <laughs> they put right. your name 
attached to it. <laughs> that old jerk that left. Yeah. <laughs> but, they could have uh, named it that too. This one's for the old jerk that left. Yeah. AKA Jay yeah, Vix makes Vicks. this. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh man, we are uh we are if you if you've been listening, I mean we're kind of uh I don't know where we're at entirely on time yet. We're here. We're here, kind of ed- edging towards the end. We still have a few more questions and a few more songs, but uh, playing playing uh, New Jersey pop punk and ska with a J here, and uh, you know something we've been talking about tonight. Um, you know, obviously a lot of bands got big from the scene, and it you know eventually you got major labels and just even other bigger music labels kind of like looking at you guys and kind of eyeing and stuff. Was it? Was all of that like overnight or was it a gradual thing where that attention started coming from outside places? Like, did you notice it right away or was it kind of like something's a little off? And then after a while, you're like, oh, this is what, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's what's going on. Like, that's, you know. It was crazy. It wasn't, I mean, obviously not literally overnight, but overnight was was probably, I mean, it wasn't like this gradual thing. So what we started noticing was, we would do these shows at Wayne Firehouse that had like Jimmy Eat World or um, we had like the Aquabats and uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other Sam I Am played, but I'm thinking of some of the bigger ones. So Newfound Glory came up and I think that, that when it was when it was happening, Dashboard Confessional came through with with some other bands it was it was a pretty big show uh dashboard confessional came through and the other thing is you'd always hear like everybody wanted to be on drive through records like that was the label if you could get on drive through everybody talked about richard and stephanie they the, the the owners brother and sister team of drive through records and at that time um we were starting to see like Midtown was getting a lot of attention. Thursday was getting a lot of attention. Saves the Day was getting massive attention. Like Saves the Day, like within a, a year of them like playing at New Jersey shows, it seemed like they were on MTV too. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it was just it just that just came really fast. Um, so even though it wasn't overnight, it was pretty much overnight. It just it just happened, and then. For like the next five or six years, it was like band after band after band after band were all over TV, MTV, MTV2, radio. Um, and, and it was like, dang it. Or, you know, I, I would I would think like, all right, this band got big and they were the same band there. But then there was these other bands that were coming up and I talked to my friends and they're like, Oh, you know who that is. Right. And they'd be like, Oh, that's, that's, it was armor for sleep. And I'm like, who's armor for sleep. Oh, it's Ben from random, random task and PJ and, and Nash from prevent falls. And those were bands that we played with all the time and they formed like this new band and then they became uh, really big. And, and uh, you know, so that there was a lot of that happening like Jack and, and Evan, Evan was in random task with Ben, but then Evan and Jack from outline formed steel train and then steel train got big on in their own. Right. I remember going to see them uh, in, in Myrtle beach and then in Wilmington playing wiffle ball with Evan and Jack in Wilmington. 
And then, uh, you know, to see what Jack Antonoff's gone on to do with Fawn, and now he's like Taylor Swift's personal producer, and he's won at three or four Grammys. Like, it's like, my gosh, he was 15. Playing the guitar. It's crazy. He's all over. He's He is all it's over everywhere. modern pop music. He's everywhere. He really is. Uh, he just he just played Saturday Night Live last week. Oh, that's Bleachers. Right. Yeah, see, Bleachers is his band. Yeah, and so. that just, and that's the thing. It's like his own music behind yeah. the scenes, co-writing, producing. Like it's insane. It really is. It, Brian uh, Brian Fallon, the Gaslight yeah, no. Anthem. I mean, he tried out he tried out for Red Rover, and and uh, well, let me let me back that up. That sounds really bad because he didn't play with Red Rover. It makes it sound like we didn't want him. No, we would have killed to have Brian. Um, he came out to play with us one time. We were looking for a guitar player. It was when we got CJ. Brian came out and played, and I don't think he really liked much of anything that we were doing, but he was he was nice, and I was friends with him. And uh, I didn't know at the same time, I think he was uh, joining Lanemeyer. And he joined Lanemeyer for a little while before he you know, ultimately went off and formed the Gaslight Anthem and, and stuff. But, but yeah, it was... It seemed like if, you know, the bands like Midtown, um, Thursday, and Saves a Day, and then even My Chemical Romance towards the end, kind of pushed off on their own. But then you had all of these other musicians, really good musicians, that the, the bands that were playing our scene were breaking up, but the relationships were formed, and they were starting to create newer groups, which in New Jersey would have just been super groups um, and, and doing, and doing really well in their own rights. Very sorry, but we got to take a very quick break again on tonight's episode of the power court hour. We are going four hours with tonight's guest, Jay Vicks, our guest co-host, first one ever. We are spinning all NJPP for you. And uh, if you want to follow the show online, we're at power court hour on a uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go give us a follow and uh, we will leave you right now with one more song as we go into break. And it is a song from more friends of the show, just like we left you with that Shower with Goats. A, uh, another one from uh, actually two former guests. This one is from Jersey Interchange. And it's uh, featuring Heath Saraceno. It is a cover of uh, Big Wig's Flavor Ice. Shout out Christian Lesperance and uh, Heath Saraceno, who are two former guests of the show. Really, really good cover here. Probably my uh, all-time favorite Jersey Interchange cover that they did. So but go check those out. There's tons of great covers out there to go listen to. But anyways, I'm going to leave you with this. We'll be in. Uh, we'll take a little break, and then we'll be back with hour three of tonight's episode of the Power Court Hour.
Welcome back to hour three of the Power Court Hour on 107.9 WRFA. I am your host, Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening to tonight's episode. I got my co-host, Jay Vicks, with me. We are playing all NJPP, and uh, we're going to get back to it. You know, the uh, conversation's been really fun. I know we've been a little conversation heavy tonight, but uh, I think it's worth it. You know, this kind of stuff is uh, really fun to talk about. So we're going to get right back into it right now and right here on the Power Court Hour. You're making me laugh because now I'm thinking about the bigger bands and you're right. Like, had they not like went off and done other things, it's like really local on a local scale. They are like super groups of like yeah. all bands playing VFW halls and stuff, which is funny to think, but you're absolutely right. They're like uh, absolutely groups. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were like funny. New Jersey super groups. That's so funny to think about. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy. And like, I'm still to this day, like, I honestly, don't think I knew until you had uh Travis on um is it Travis Weber, I think is his last name. But like I know Crash Romeo. I didn't oh, know yeah. he was like in what was his old band? Um Senseless. Senseless. Like I had no clue about that until like quarantunes. Like I knew of Crash Romeo for years. I didn't know like the connection. So there's still to this day bands that I'm still not like same like Armor for Sleep, you bring them up. I was listening to Armor for Sleep for years and years and years before I ever knew what uh you know random was in random task yeah i knew like none of that you know it's like it's really it's so interesting and i mean it's also conflicting and i was gonna ask you because like on one end i'm like i'm kind of happy in a way that they all got big and that attention got there because obviously as an outsider you you discover those bands and i kind of got into the later bands for you guys though i feel like that in a way like sure maybe I'm, i'm sure there's a side of you where you're happy these bands are getting exposure and stuff but I mean, did that change the scene? Could you tell? Was there a shift once outside like influence and those labels and stuff started coming in? Like, did that did that change the scene, the pureness of it, or whatever it might be? Like, did that screw with it at all? Absolutely. Um, I hate making definitive statements because then somebody would would hear this later and they'd be like, "I can't believe you said that." Absolutely, it was. It was when in the late nineties there was definitely a divide around 2002, 2001, 2002 in the, in the late nineties turn of the century, 2000. I think there was a lot more supporting each other. Like a lot, a lot of people were more supportive. Um, you know, you, you went to shows, you, you supported the bands, you tried to help the other bands get shows or, or just, you know, just, I remember bands like, giving up any money that they would have got that night to make sure it could go to a touring band or just, there was just a lot of help. Um, and I feel like towards the end, now I moved, I moved out of New Jersey completely at the end of 2002. So I, I was in, I was still going to some shows throughout most of 2002 until I left. Um, I remember seeing My Chemical Romance at the Booten Elks Lodge and it was nuts. It was like 150 or 200 kids in there. And it was, it was just crazy. It's like, I remember when I saw them when type of thing. Um, But that was around the same time where more people decided that they could put on shows too. So you had more promoters and then bands were kind of, they didn't, they were, there was some jealousy happening. And you could see that you could see the jealousy because it's like, well, we're working just as hard as they are. How come they're getting signed to 
drive through or, you know, whatever other labels they were getting, you know, people were getting oh, signed yeah. to. And, and, you know, so there was a little bit of that. Um, but I think by that point, because I was already out of Red Rover, I almost can consider myself sort of immune from it. Yeah, you might have um, been lucky in a, in a sort I, of way. I, I feel you like I was. The bullet. Like, I feel like, like I did. Drama and a lot of other things, like you might have actually got it, which really timeline wise, too, you're kind of towards the end of like the heyday of the scene anyway. You know what I mean? It probably went a few more years, but like 2002, we're getting towards the end of this era. You know, that's right. That's right. I mean, there was at that point, it was the explosion of all these bands. I remember when I first moved to Wilmington, there was a, a, a television station called fuse that was similar oh, to like an mtv2 where i discovered all these bands was fuse this is how fuse, i discovered right? armor for sleep all those bands that came from there fuse was huge for me fuse is how i discovered so many bands in the early 2000s i moved to wilmington i found fuse the the channel fuse and it was like every third band i knew them like i i knew somebody in the band from from that time it was like uh, uh, literally like Every hour I could see like five bands. I'm like, oh, I know those guys or I know them because they played with them. So when so-and-so was in this band and, um, y- you know, so Fuse really, I think we're going to blame everything on Fuse. We're going <laughs> to blame the demise of the New Jersey local <laughs> scene on Fuse television. I feel so conflicted because like I like That's a was my was my like intro on it. So it's like it's so fun. Like I know what you're talking about because, again, I was watching Midtown and Armor for Sleep and all those bands on Fuse. So, like, all of them coming from that, yeah, when you turn that on, you being from that scene, you had to be like, wait, is that that, isn't that the bass player of that band? Isn't that yeah. that guy? <laughs> you I know what I, else? Like, split a bass cab with that dude? Right. <laughs> you know what else is is crazy about um, all that, too, is that, I forget where I was going to go with it, but um, when you... I remember when when you see that you got to remember we're coming from a scene where selling out was like taboo right when we we were were big 97 98 99 we're still we're still we're learning about how Green Day wasn't allowed to play Gilman Street anymore because they signed a major label and they got banned right so they got they got basically shunned by Oakland or, or Berkeley right and and so people were very concerned about selling out whatever that was selling out right now we look at it and we're like dude they could make a couple bucks they don't have to go get a job because their music and tour like who wouldn't want that like it was jealousy selling out was not there was we didn't we lost the principle of oh you sold out our our sellout was oh you can do things that we can't do because you got this and we're jealous. That's sell, that, that, we're going to use the sellout as the scapegoat. Like not, not to derail it, but just like on that real quick. I mean, like jawbreaker would dear you and it like destroying their career. Right. And people like screw you, your sellouts. We're going to sit or we're going to turn our backs to you when you play dear you songs live. Like now they're doing a tour that has to keep adding dates because they can't, they keep selling out. Like, that, which again, they keep selling out. They but keep like, selling out. Twenty five years later, twenty five years ago, screw you guys! Like, how yeah. dare you? Twenty five years later, I mean, people are probably, and I'm sure, paying four times what it cost to see them back then, and like, it doesn't matter. They're going to keep selling them out, 
and and on top of that, not only is it like that much more expensive, how many more people are going to be at that show? How many people that how many people that turn their backs on them <laughs> back then are probably buying tickets, right? So, so I, I think it's funny, like you know, I say good for them these days. Like, um, well, they deserve gonna, it. They're getting the credit that they didn't get twenty five years. They're now they deserve it. They're yeah. they're picking up. That's why I'm like, get your money, get what you need to do. You're one of those bands where during your time you deserved it and you didn't get it. So hey, twenty five years later, the replacements kind of had it a few years ago and they reunited. Mm-hmm. No one really, you didn't get your due in the 80s. 25 years later, you can play a couple arenas and a couple festivals. Like people, people care. Like you deserve, you deserve that. You know, that's your payoff. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. But uh, yeah, I I apologize getting that, getting that sidetracked. But uh, back to the sellout thing. I mean, and you're right in the 90s, you're in the middle of it. Like getting back to your scene and before bands were getting bigger, that is the middle of like, it being taboo of signing to me, which is, is very interesting putting that in context when you think going into, cause what would you say? Like around 2000 is probably around the time when it really is that that's about like 2000 when, is when you, we started to notice like, you know, saves a day and newfound glory coming through and they were getting big and you'd see newfound glory on um, again, MTV two. They were, they were opening, uh, I think it was Midtown and Newfound Glory opening for like Blink 182 and yeah. Green Day. Um, played that and saves yeah. the, saves the day opened uh, some saves shows on that too. And then I remember going to see we played with Saves the Day, and then a year later I was at the Meadowlands uh, Arena, arena where the Devils play hockey, oh, watching Saves the Day open for Weezer oh in an God. arena in a fifteen thousand seat arena, and I'm like, what just happened? That like, dude from Seffler's up there. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 2000, I would say, not so much 2000, I would say 2001. About that there. That was kind of when, when it really started pushing, like, the labels were swooping in. Um, get that get that book, Sellout. Uh, I gotta read that. Like I said, I'm halfway through it. Uh, Dan Ozzy did a great job. And he talks about some of the bigger bands. Like, he goes into Blink-182 and Green Day. And the and Jawbreaker even the, the labels uh, coming in, but then he goes into you know Thursday and some of the other bands that that kind of came out of uh, you know that time period that we're specifically discussing as well. Thursday, like Thursday, like and they're still huge. I think they get a more eclipse now, but there's a time where they're like that full collapse, like the biggest selling album on Victory Records for a very long time. I think like there that- were magazines that said that thir- could Thursday be the next Nirvana? God damn. I mean, it's crazy. And, you know, I just saw them with the piebald open. They came through Greensboro, oh, where I live now. Damn, that'd be a good show. And um, which was cool because I got to hang out with Travis a little bit because he played Quarantunes and we talked. But um, but yeah, so Thursday played and um, they're they're doing well. They're they're back playing uh, different shows now. And I think they just played Chicago and some other places. So um i think they're playing that festival out in uh yeah. the, in las vegas and um so i i mean i just love them i i they're do great. i just think they're they're a great band and all of the dudes are, are genuine real good people so. yeah they're they're uh and also you got to give them artistic and credit integrity and stuff a band who like never really wrote the same record and kind of i feel like always wrote the record they wanted to because there are times their career where the record that they probably should have written if they were trying to like sell, like, you know, continue on something versus what they wanted to do. I feel mm-hmm. like most of the time they went with what they wanted to do. There wasn't 
there wasn't that compromise. You know what I mean? Like, including when you throw sellout and stuff with them, which I'm sure they got back in the day. Like, you know, I, I feel like there was integrity later on, including like where they kind of went out there with some of those later albums where it's like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to sell out, you're doing the opposite of it. Right. Like, your guns like that, which. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they stuck to their guns pretty good. And, uh, you know, I look, I look at somebody and I, I'm, I would never want to poo poo too much on anybody, but I remember moving to North Carolina and getting uh, in reverie by saves a day. And it was so different and so poppy and didn't even sound like like Just anything related to what that yeah everything was different and i was like oh like this is not what i was expecting and it could be a great album but that was the last time i listened to it that one yeah. that was another one that i think is, is i think they were maybe hoping for bigger things and i think that kind bigger of things. screwed the band too sometimes you have those records where you got which I don't know. I think it's such an interesting, it's a whole nother episode to talk about, but even like your guns and stuff, but like the, the idea with bands of like, of, of how much do you change before you should just call it something else? And there's always that question. Cause at the same time, I'm I'm always conflicted because I go, it's your band. It's your art. Part of me goes, you do what you want to do. You release the name. There's another part of me that goes, but can you be mad when all the kids who liked your really like fast punk stuff, don't like your like because you got into the Beatles or something like that. You really right, like right. pop now. Like you almost can't get mad at the fan base. You know what I mean? If you do things like that, you also can't be mad if if the new fans don't show up and the old fans abandon you. That's a gamble you took. You, you took it. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Really, it can go either way. But I mean, and I know yeah. that's another it's another topic, but it's fun to talk about these things. Yeah. And like I said, I, I would never just I mean, I'm I'm happy for everything that Saves Day has been able to do. And like I, I think I told you before we went live, actually, I don't know what we talked about before and during now. I think um, that was before I know before. You're gonna- and like, you know, Chris, Chris was really, really good to to Red Rover to our to my old band. And, um, uh, you know, so but but again, just from a music standpoint, old fan that left following them because new stuff that they put out, I, I really couldn't get into. And, you know, especially coming from, you know, um, through being cool and, um, oh gosh, the first can't slow down, like, can't slow down. Right. Um, you know, that was such a big departure from that. <laughs> it's total. I mean, honestly, listen to the, uh, what is it? Deciding is the first song on can't slow down. And then listen to anywhere, anywhere with you, the opener on in reverie, <laughs> not, and, and honestly, to be honest, I, uh, I'm, I kind of like in reverie, but here's the thing. There's a difference between like, cause I, I discovered them way later. There's a difference between jumping around a band's catalog and them kind of changing their sound, but you find it out years later versus you being a fan. Who's like listening to these albums, anticipating them. The next one comes out and it's so different from what you're expecting. You know what I mean? Like, the replacements are one of those. They're my I was just gonna fans. say them. Last two records. People hate those last two records, and I love them. But my thing is, I wasn't there in 1989. If I was there in 1989 and I was expecting Don't Tell a Soul to be just a rocker or something, I can see where my I probably would be disappointed. Like right. when Talent Show pops up, I, I could see where I might be like, What is this? Like me later on, I love those albums, but I don't have that that real time thing is different because I have bands that I've definitely had childish views on because they changed a member or they changed their sound a little bit, a little bit that like years later you go, Oh, that was like, why did I really care? But it's very different from being there in the moment 
versus later on. And I've noticed that. So like in your defense, including like in reverie, I probably would have hated that record. Had I heard it the year it came out, I was, was okay. freakish was freakish on no, in reverie. That's the one before that's stay what you are. That one's on. There. And I like that one. That's I like a, stay that's, what you are. These are yeah. Stay what you are. The weird thing about that is stay what you are is somewhat of a departure from the first two records, but not so much. They it, had it that, held it together. They that line really well. At your funeral. Yep. At your funeral. Yeah, that was a great. See, that was a great album, and that was the one where I really thought I was like, "This is this is it." They're that's it's awesome. Like they're on. And then that next one came out right after I moved to North Carolina, and I because I remember seeing the At Your Funeral video on MTV Two, living in an apartment in West Orange, New Jersey, and I was like holy cow, we just played with them like last year, you know, and, and, and look at this. And it was, that was, that was probably the first band that was like, um, that I had that kind of moment where I was like, wait a minute, I know them and they're on MTV Man, too, you know, that man's up there. That yeah. is, it's wild. Like, again, like going back to, I mean, not only hearing those records and they come out, but also for you being from a scene where again, you're seeing it's so different from like, again, like I'm 12 years old watching fuse. I have no clue that this dude singing in armor for sleep was the drummer of random tech. Like, you know, right. you don't know these things, but being a person who's like, well, I was there and I saw that it has to be interesting. I mean, it's not totally different to be completely honest, like being someone who maybe like lived in Seattle in the late eighties, seeing these bands yeah. who like later blew up and it's like, Oh dude, like I used to, I saw them with 10 other people, like Tuesday nights, they'd play a bar in Seattle. <laughs> no one would be there. Me and the right. sound guy. Like, I'm sure there's people like that. And with that perspective, it's so odd. Cause like everyone else, there's like, cause for a lot of people, there's that fake start. We're almost like this band begins when I hear them or when you see them on MTV, right. farthest from the truth, you know, I mean, including those bands, even not just the band itself, but like the band members, like, you know, so far, probably not their first band probably played a bunch of local bands, probably played local shows wherever they were from. Like, you know, you forget Definitely. those bands at one point, unless they were made in the studio, started out as a local band somewhere. Like they literally were a local band at some point, you know. This is a massive departure and I don't want to get too derailed off of this because I know we're, we're coming to the end of probably overtime, but, um, but you know, and I'm not a fan of this band, but I always hear the stories about how Chumbawamba Yes. They did the I Get Knocked Down song. Nothing That's the else one sounds hit. Like that. But but yeah, they were a punk band playing in the London Underground for like 15 years. They're like amateurs before they're, that. They're, yeah. like so far from what you would think if all you knew was tub thumping. And tub thumper. And 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 you know, you think about it and you're like, oh, like I didn't know, but that's again, if you know, think about those fans, and then all of a sudden they got this thing on the Imagine radio hearing like, those yeah like being a fan of them when they're like anarchist punks and one day in the 90s the radio's on you're like what the hell is this yeah yeah my chumbo wumpa really yeah back then too pre-internet you're like it can't be the same one this can't <laughs> yeah. Be yeah. there's got to be two bands on earth named Chumbawamba. it's it's gotta be Chumbawamba new jersey like one of those are yeah. like at the end of the name like in parentheses yeah, yeah. nj <laughs> NJ, like NJ Joystick. We had a band, Joystick, uh, New Jersey Joystick. So same thing, uh, second name. Oh, they didn't man. Have a tub thumper, but. <laughs> no chumbo <laughs> covers. <laughs> I, uh, you know, kind of, we talked about Quarantunes a little bit, but like, you know, as we're kind of like closing up and, and we'll, we'll fit a couple more songs here at the end. But I mean, I feel like this conversation, um, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like we're playing songs, but I like where this conversation's gone. So. 
you know, I mean, we're playing some songs, but I feel like it was more talk heavy, which I like. I actually, I, I like where this is went. I think it's good uh, conversation on like the whole scene and everything. I think for anybody that's between your age and mine um, that listened to a lot of these bands later to find the origin stories out, uh, I think is going to really, mm-hmm. really enjoy it. I mean, I, I, I agree. And I, I do appreciate you having me on. One of the things that you mentioned to me the other day was um who do i think would be like the most talent like i was thinking of the super group thing we were talking about super group and i was like if i could pick if i could make a massive super group from all of those new jersey bands and sorry if you were going to ask me this or steal steal your thunder no but i like i i did not but i like where this is going i want we were talking about super groups right like i had this like little so um, so here, here it is. This, this, I uh, shouldn't be a hot take to anybody, but, um, Chris Del Vecchio from humble beginnings on drums. Cause that guy, I saw him a couple of years ago. It's first time I saw him in, in a number of years. And, uh, I love Chris. Um, he, he was like, he could play the fastest, but also he's like a human metronome. So he could just, from a punk drummer standpoint, like Del Vecchio was, was the best. Um, and then Anthony Natal from the Dharma boys, I would put him on vocals. Um, great voice. Yeah. Just a tremendous voice. Uh, Heath Saraceno, who I, I love dearly, uh, and Jack Antonoff on guitar. Cause they were both Ooh. tremendous guitar players. Um, and then my favorite bass player was Arben Kalaku from Folly. Uh, I mean, dude's fingers never stopped i mean he was just ripping up and down the fretboard he wasn't just playing root notes that guy no, was- he wasn't doing what i was doing no i learned a lot from i actually didn't learn anything i couldn't keep up with him uh i just i learned i learned that i had a lot of work to do that's what i learned from arvin um but uh but yeah if you if we could put that group together i don't know what they would call themselves but uh i mean besides sick ass lineup that's sick that's what I, that's what i would call them sick ass lineup from new jersey but that that would be my my new jersey if i were to if i were to if i were to make the super group that's what it would be i like i like that i feel i feel like in a roundabout way like maybe maybe you can't do that but i guess it kind of goes into like a few of the like last things i want to talk about but like i liked it with quarantunes and i feel like it kind of goes with what you're talking about where you maybe not your dream lineup of that band itself but you're kind of booking a show of like yeah. you want to see, you know what I mean? You're going like, I want maybe, maybe not those three guys play together, but they'll all play back to back, you know? And also, also what I love. And I told you that like so many bands that I'm into that, I mean, were broken up fifth, like at least 15 years by the time I found like mother mania, like seeing yeah. they play mother mania songs was wild. Cause like I found them in like 2012. And I don't know if you've ever tried to go, look up information it's on, hard yeah there's nothing half yeah. of it's frank zappa stuff and the other half you might you might find the record they put on drive through like that's that's what you're gonna find you'll find nothing else so like amazing because there's no live video either really out there of them so you know to get to see some of those guys even was just with acoustic guitar which actually is kind of neater because i'm sure you didn't really cool. see them play that way back in the day so like kind of play these stripped back songs you know maybe playing them even in ways how they wrote them you know what i mean originally written on acoustics maybe playing them that strip back um just very cool you know what i mean like how you were able i mean i guess i guess forming that into a question more than just a statement like 
That was the longest question I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> yeah, I hope you memorize that whole paragraph. I, just, I got it. Somewhere yeah. in there, there's a question. I got it. I think I know the question. I think. I'm going to take a stab at it now. All right. So first of all, Quarantunes was born out of a wild idea that I had this StreamYard software tool and uh, I was going to try to use it for work. And then I realized, wait a minute, I could be on with somebody else and it's designed for for like a, a host and a, a, a talent, right? Host talent, host talent, right? Um, and I'm out there working on my back deck and I was like, wait a minute. And it just came to me. Like I should just ask some people if they want to play because I ran this, I still run this Facebook group, right? The New Jersey pop punk, uh, 94 to 2002 group. Everyone and go I was join. like, and I, I, what's that? I said, everyone go join. Everyone go join. And, um, I was like, huh? So I texted Chris from Lane Meyer and I was like, would you be interested in doing this? And then, um, a couple, I talked to a couple other people and they're like, oh, this person would do it too. And I was like, maybe we can put on like shows. And it just, it, it just happened like very quickly. And we put it together very quickly. What I didn't realize was that it was going to turn into like 10 of them and like bringing people from all around the world to come tune in. And, um, but to, to, to where I think your question was going <laughs> is, yeah, I would reach out to people that I did want to see like getting Bob Nana from braid. Right. That was huge for me. Cause I'm like enormous braid fan, uh, getting Joe Gennaro, Joe Jack Talcum from the dead milkman. That's, oh, I mean, you? I told you I was skateboarding to the dead milkman in sixth grade, like no way on earth would this guy want to do it. And when he said, yes, you know, um, you know, there were other big ones, Travis from Pieball, that was a big influence. And then people helped me out. Like when we got Jonah Matranga, that was like a friend, Sean Bergen kind of connected me. And like, so people then were reaching out and they're like, oh, you can get this guy. And I kept saying, I'm like, look, I'm happy to try, but if you have any direct line or connection, maybe you can just message them and connect me. And, and we had a lot of help. I had a ton of help on those shows. Aaron Kokos did all these flyers and, uh, uh, um, Mikey Erg always said yes. Heath Saracino always said yes. Josh Pohemus was like always there. Uh, Mike Jonkis helped. I mean, every, I had a lot of help. It wasn't me. It was, it was, it was 1998, 1999. That's it was like a collective. We pulled it together. And um, it was one of the most gratifying things. But one thing was really interesting that you said, and we're talking about like supergroup. When we were starting, I had gotten the question from a few people. Do you think two of us could be on at the same time from different places and play together and, you know, we could do it. And we were like, I don't know, let's try. And a couple people said, I bet the lag between the two is going to be, is going to throw it off. Yeah. So I said, well, let's, let's try it before the first one. And the next thing I know, I'm in one little corner of the square. Like if you're thinking of a zoom call or stream yard, we have, we had four people on the screen. There was myself, my buddy Rob Heiner. I had Heath Saracino from Midtown and Ben Jorgensen from Random Task Armor for Sleep. And Ben and Heath knew, I think, I don't remember if it was a Midtown song or an Armor for Sleep song or just some other song. But the next thing I know, I'm like here on like a, a weeknight, like nine o'clock at night 
watching Keith and Ben try to play a song together. One's on the West Coast, one's on the East Coast. And I'm like, I can't, I like, I never thought that I would be like witness to this, right? And what we realized 15 seconds in is no, the lag is too bad. We can't do it. Um, so that's why we, we only had two people one time and it was shades apart, but they were in the same room playing. So one of them was muted on their computer and all the sound was coming okay. through one computer, but they were, but they, but the video was on. So we could see both of them playing, but the sound was just coming in from, from the one that was the only time we could do it. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I roundabout answered your question with the longest answer possible to the that, longest question possible. No, that is, that is awesome. And also very jealous that you got to, uh, I mean, going, going back to the fuse thing, like those are two very early on like bands that, uh, I mean, I remember being like 12 or 13, seeing them on TV or Midtown on the Spider-Man two soundtrack, like, yeah. leave it up on there. Like just so many things like that where I'm like, my, and I still think that like interviewing Heath and stuff. I mean, you know, you, you played with them and saw them and shit, but like, for me, I'm like, wow. Like I watched that guy and same with senses fail, like both bands watching him on TV for years and like skipping my, my community college graduation to go see them reunite. Oh really? And, yeah. It's state and surf them in a hidden in plain view, like being like, Oh, they're probably not going to play again. I should probably go see them. And they haven't midtown has not played again sense and it doesn't Thanks. sound like they are anytime soon so it's like you gotta go do things like that but like totally like that's why i love the uh, quarantunes because like even just as a fan like watching that and even i wanted to go back to i know earlier you're saying like like the coolest thing about the scene and i think it goes even further like you said like people like around like my age to yours but i think it goes even further when you start to break down like again it depends how far you want to go back to finding your roots i know we talked about that earlier mm -hmm. like with uh, ska and stuff but like even younger people if you're into like the stuff that jack is writing on and co-writing and doing himself like if you're into i mean cobra starship i think still has a reach very like i mean to be honest take cred away i i knew of them before i knew of midtown which nowadays <laughs> I listen to Midtown a lot more <laughs> aside from whether or not I still listen to Cobra Starship is besides the point. But anyway, like I truly think the demographic is even bigger when you start going, Oh my God, like the, the influence in modern music, whether it be the pop side or even, even not just current, but like we're getting to a point where that nostalgia circuit of warp tours and early two thousands emo and pop punk and stuff. We're getting there. You see the cruises, you see the one we were young fest and stuff. Yeah. Again, how many of those bands derive from that, like come from that. So, I mean, if you're talking already about the nostalgia stuff that's out there and people very much like nostalgia, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think that's, a, that's no secret. Um, I think there's a lot it. of people who don't know about the scene who like, I think would be interested, which is also so interesting because even watching quarantines, there's the people in there, the audience like you and the other people who were there, who you guys are there. And it's like, oh, like I remember seeing these guys play and like, oh, like you personally know these people. But then mm -hmm. there are also people I saw who also got into them like I did, where it's like you're kind of a spectator, like, oh, wow, I wasn't there for any of this. So it's really cool to see. You know, there's people seeing it secondhand and then people who are like kind of reliving it. And I think that's so interesting because, again, most local scenes, if some guy's like, hey, I want to talk to you about my local scene in Poughkeepsie in like the eighties or something. 
Like, and maybe that's a bad example because actually they have the chance. Oh, the chance, yeah, the chance. Maybe there was a scene there, and maybe that's a terrible example. But you know what I'm saying? It's like I gotcha. I don't just want to talk about any random scene that, like, because a lot of people will tell you that, and honestly, you start going, dude you were 20 years you were young and that's why like it was fun and you're romanticizing it and it you know like it kept going on not with you guys it's very much documented like there was a scene there's a time and place there's an era and it's so damn special like way further than just because if it wasn't you guys would have those quarantines and it would only be people who were from back in the day it would just be all you guys congregating to talk about the good old days which happens i think a lot with this, it doesn't, which again is something so special. I think that you have people who still care about it who would go in and want to listen to that. Cause I do, I think there's so many scenes where you'd be lucky to even, even find people's like kids who want to hear their, you know what I mean? Like right. maybe their kids want to hear their music, let alone like people are like, oh shit, I want to hear this. Like I want to hear the stuff that like this guy used to play in his band before like his big one. So like just very interesting, I think, how it lit. And also, to be honest, I don't know if you've seen this or not so much, but like, and I, I want to ask you this because you, you've been ingrained in it more, but like, I feel like only up until the last few years do I see people talking about it more for a long time. Like maybe I was just out of the loop, but like, I mean, I, I kind of like knew the SoundCloud archives. Like I knew that was there and I could find the songs, but like, you know, whether it be like this was the scene podcast or like mm-hmm. just having people on my show to talk or like quarantunes, you know, Jersey Interchange that came out of that doing the covers and yeah. stuff so many different things i i feel like there was a while where like people either didn't realize it or i mean also you guys grew up everyone grew up have lives but it's kind of nice because i feel like it's going back to a place where you guys are revisiting it but again people are interested in it who weren't there at all which is kind of crazy i'm sure i'm sure I, you you mentioned it earlier talking about it, but like the fact that people want to talk about it this many years later it's amazing. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have thought that 20 years ago. But now I now here's another thing that I think you know, the quarantines was a, was kind of a catalyst. I, I actually think that when Mike Doyle started, this was the scene podcast. Um, he he and I are we've been friends for I mean, we've been friends since back back then. We became friends through that. And he lives in Raleigh, which is only an hour and a half up. So we've had lunch and stuff. I didn't realize how close you guys were. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it. it so when he started that, it kind of really piqued my interest for nostalgia. And, and, you know, he had that and I had the NJPP group. Now, remember, I, well, you might not know, I started that, it was the North Jersey Pop Punk 1994 to 2002, which we've renamed it to New Jersey instead of North Jersey. Um, but I started that in 2009 in the very early Jeez. days of Facebook. And we got like 130 people in the first two days because we were all making connections on Facebook and people would invite their friends. And and like, I pretty much knew everybody in that first like 130, it seemed like. And it grew organically until 2020. We had 1,100 people in before my first quarantines. And then we went to 3,500 in one year. Like we jumped in, we like tripled because we opened it up. It was a closed group. So not everybody could enter because I wanted it to be exclusive just to that scene because I didn't want it to get diluted. I didn't want people to come on and be like, Hey, my buddy's band is playing this weekend. Like we, we ban that stuff. Like if you post that in that group, you're out, like maybe not out, but we're going to, we're going to take it down and probably I might send you a message. And I was the only administrator for a long time or moderator. And then I added Mike Doyle. I added Rob Heiner and, um, 
I think Joe Polito might I get, might have given him access, but but what Joe was doing with the archives, and then what Mike was doing with that, and then I had this group, um, which I wasn't really doing anything with except checking. You know, I would get notifications when somebody would post something, but then when quarantines happened, I felt like that was like the this trifecta of nostalgia, right? We got Mike's doing the podcast, Joe's got all the music, and I'm doing this these. I'm post I'm emceeing these shows, but then you're right. You said it like Jersey interchange came out of it. Um, Sean from the youth ahead, like wrote a new album, like Mikey Erg's doing a bunch of stuff. Heath started playing music with a lot of people again, and he wasn't even playing music. Um, Fred Mascherino decided that there was a lot to this live streaming stuff. And he started doing these Sunday mornings with Fred. And it's not, it's not me, but it's, that's what quarantine set in motion. Like it was these connections that were made. Um, and I'm so, I'll always be so grateful for that. And that's why this labor of love is trying to come out with like highlights shows of quarantines, but I have like 60 or 70 hours of footage and I can't pick out the best parts, you know, like I'm trying, but it's, I came out with the highlights of just episode one and it was like 15 minutes. My wife is like, this is too long. I'm like, well, the show was five hours. What's 15 minutes, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I will continue to work on them when I have time. But right now I'm really crazy with my day job. I have a digital marketing agency helping small business owners with visibility online and um, you know, growing, growing a team and growing a business because we got to I didn't make any money in music, so, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so gotta, gotta go to work and pay the bills and, um, but it is, it's a, it's a passion project at this point. It is nostalgia. I love, I love that time. If, if anybody listening to this couldn't tell, I love going, <laughs> taking the walk down memory lane. It's, it's really great. Um, this is, this is what day at the fair called the rocking chair years, right? I'm not, <laughs> not quite there yet, but this is, this is it, like starting to look back on all the times, the good times and stuff. But I, I still think it's neat, though, because, again, there's that part of it where, yes, it's nostalgia, but, like, the fact that things are, like, being built out of it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that the things are coming out of it, that you are getting, like, people who, again, were never there, maybe even people who have never been to New Jersey even, who are just yeah. fans of music. Like, it's interesting that, I mean, what I guess essentially would be a dead scene is like kind of revived in a way where like it has a second life. You know what I mean? Like it's nostalgia, but it's kind of better than that because I feel like there's still like, again, it's not like every band's just reuniting and writing new albums, not in that way, but it is revived in a, in a certain kind of way. Like it does live on now in podcasts and live performances online and like just all these different you know, just things like it's very, and there's demand. I mean, I, I notice it even when I have bands on and interview people who are from that scene. I mean, the, they get good downloads. Like people, people like that stuff. People are very, they're intrigued in the era. And I don't, I don't know if the inevitable book or documentary or what, but like, I just blows my mind of all the, of all the subjects that people talk about in music, like, cause there's attention on it, but like, I'm surprised there's not more eyes and attention which maybe with books like seeing like sellout doing so well, I wonder yeah. if things like that will kind of push people's like, I don't know how much he talks about that with Thursday and stuff or like how much he talks about like those bands in their scenes before signing and all that. But like there's other things out there that, again, I think will just keep kind of gravitating towards people to it, whether 
just again the presence is there in music to this day so there's always that chance that someone's gonna look up that person they really like and on their wikipedia page or something they start going through it and just seven degrees of separation or whatever end up at like their random split seven inch you know they find it on soundcloud or something absolutely you know uh, when you were talking about that it made me think of one thing and and it's just that you know we did this you know 20 years ago isn't really that long ago we were in our late teens and early 20s like i said earlier i mean i was i was a little older than the rest of the guys in my band but i'm 46 now and i'm on the older side of that so all of the people that we're talking about are like 40 right yeah, that's um, true you know so we're we're just like not even or i don't know 40 is young right like 40 not, is is, is young um you know people are living to 80 90 100 years old um so you know we're kind of even though we're taking that walk back down memory lane a lot of us are just like in the prime of our lives where now like some of us have kids that are starting to well, they're growing up get they're going to be getting older and and they're not going to need as much of us as they get older so it wouldn't surprise me to see more more bands get back together or just people rejoining and reconnecting and playing music again from that scene um because they'll have that that time again i think for the last 10 to 15 years everybody was getting married having kids then they got little ones they can't it's it's hard to do things and and um it's a big deal when somebody could reunite but it wouldn't surprise me if over the next 10 to 15 years we saw a lot more of the old new jersey pop punk stuff continue to blossom and happen and re-emerge and i think it would be awesome I, I welcome the day and i hope that somebody will ask me to come like mc one of their shows because i i i did this quarantine thing and I, oh, i've yes. gotten I, I had fun with it and i got comfortable with it so that would be great What's new today? Do you know a friend that me explain? Is there a place where we can go? Oh, 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 I don't know. Men to a show. I got a buck or two. And my gas is low. My gas is low. Oh, we go weak. Waiting for this to show days. I can sleep, but I'm up at 8 a.m. Can there be a place where I can get away and never come? No, never come back here again. It's a place where, where people say What's that I do? Why do we stay? Deep down inside, we all know that There's no other place to make me dull and make me dumb But it's my home and it's where I'm from So I'll take it day by day And I'll probably say it's okay Say it's okay I'm with the week, waiting for this to show day So I can sleep, but I'm up at 8 a.m. Can it be a place where I can get away and never come? No, never come back here again There's a million things I can say about the good and the bad And the ups and the downs of this town If this is where there's a way you can get through the day You're gonna get from the back from your friends of the
Skanking it, but you ain't rating it or ranking it. I'm a real cool guy, and there's no debating it. Punk and Scott Cena waiting this first to first. Ponte and Porch Studios in your face first. It's a little jittery.
Gentlemen, now you can see how dangerous individualism can be. It makes us vulnerable. Let's go.
Right here on the Power Court Hour, a block of some NJPP and Ska for you. That was Avery with Finish What You Started. Before that was Random Task with Something's Lacking. That is Ben Jorgensen's uh, pre-Armor for Sleep band. And uh, we had Ben on the show, God, I guess it was like two years ago now. I don't, I think uh, Random Task came up. I won't, I won't lie to you and say that we like did a whole episode on Random Task. But I know we at least like talked about the band for like five or ten minutes. But uh, I like hearing that uh, that pre-armor stuff from Ben, and uh, I love armor as well. And before that, face first with uh, one of my favorite songs off my favorite comp of all time, Drive Through Records, You'll Never Eat Fast Food Again. That is the first step to selling out. And opening up that block of music was the youth ahead with Day to Day. We're going to take another quick break. We'll go into our fourth and final hour of tonight's episode of the Power Chord Hour. I'm going to talk some more with Jay Vicks. We will play some more songs. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. And again, check out the uh, Power Chord Hour on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All those are at Power Chord Hour. And uh, if you want to check it out, Power Chord Hour podcast, we got new ones every Monday. And uh, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can do that. And it's also on YouTube. And uh, subscribe to our channel if you want to there. But uh, that would be really cool of you, and I would appreciate that. But uh, we're going to go to break once again. I'm going to leave you with another song from uh, kind of a later era you know, uh, band. You know, Senseless is the... Uh, kind of original version of this but crash romeo which i'm i was familiar with first uh really good and i know they're working on a new album which i'm pretty excited for i think that's probably coming out this year i believe they're working with chris badami who uh produced recorded tons and tons of quintessential uh new jersey bands and uh including drive through records i mean the dude produced like almost all the classics on that label but uh yeah So I'm excited for that. But until we get new Crash Romeo, here is an oldie but a goodie from them. This is Sirius closing out hour three of tonight's episode of the Power Chord Hour.
What's up? This is Joey Cobra, and you're listening to the Power Chord Hour. Welcome back to the fourth and final hour of tonight's episode of the Power Chord Hour. First episode of February, so we have a theme, and it is all New Jersey pop, punk, and ska of the late 90s, early 2000s. And we are uh, talking with guest co-host tonight, Jade Vicks, who uh, has picked just about every song, minus a couple that I've played as we go into break. Everything else has uh, been picked by my buddy Jay. Really, really fun having him on. was really cool doing quarantunes. It's crazy. I mean, I guess it was December 2020. Another one. Insane to think how long ago that was, but so fun doing that. I did an episode with him and Chris Revel. Shout out Chris Revel. Uh, Chris was nice enough to have me and Jay on an episode of his uh, Let's Chat podcast. You can definitely go check that out on. Uh, I know it's on YouTube, and I don't know it might be on. Uh, it might be every good podcast, but I know it's at least on YouTube. But really fun conversation. Uh, which really, if you're into this, and if you're listening to four, if you're still listening four hours in, almost, um, I'm gonna say you're kind of into it. And uh, I would definitely say go check uh, go check that episode out because we talk more. Uh, more about this and uh, same with that quarantunes you can go find that on uh, youtube and the njpp facebook page so go check those out there's even more i mean we're, we're still going to talk with jay now but i mean if you need even more go check those out after this but anyways i'm getting ahead of myself let's get back to the rest of our conversation with my guest co-host and my good buddy jay vix you do think a timeline for the average person you're raising kids and stuff, but like you're kind of at that, you're getting in those like 40s and stuff where like kids are a little older, a little more self sufficient. You're not like you do have a little more time where you can kind of engage in those hobbies again or get into your old interests. And again, not you're not old, like that's not yeah. old by any means. So it's like you still have the, the energy and shit to like go do that stuff, still like act upon them. So you, you are right. I think, I think we may, it probably wouldn't be that crazy to see more bands jump up. And also the cool thing about that, I was having this conversation with someone I was interviewing recently, but the thing about bands who, you know, most bands, unless you get really, really big, you do hit that, that place where just, you have to like, like you're not making enough money to live a life. You can't buy a house. If you want to get married and have kids, a band's not going to cut it. And so, you know, a lot of times you'll either bands will break up or like bands will hit those like low years. And I feel like so many of them end up hitting their strides again later on where it's just for fun, which that's what it would probably be at this point. A lot of people starting that again for fun. And that's like, like, I mean, when you don't have that pressure on you, like the suicide machines just put out one of their best records in years in 20, I was going to say last year, I forget it's 2022. It's been two years now. It's been two years. But that album was like the first one in like 15 years. Like, I think if they were worried about putting out a record every two years and stuff, that'd be an issue. The fact that they're later on and they weren't trying to make it anymore and that they were just writing the record as they wrote it. And like when they had time to do it came out great. I think a lot of bands when you don't, when you don't have that pressure anymore, because bands I think go from being fun to then being a business. And that's a lot of times when you see their decline and Mm -hmm. the albums aren't as good and they're trying, you know, and then you do, you hit, you hit 30, early thirties or something. Is this what I want to do? I'm going back to school. I'm going to do this or that. The band's not working. And when all those pressures and stuff, because I've interviewed so many people have told me that where it's like, sure, maybe 15 years ago, the band was their full time job. But I'm talking to someone now who's like a weekend warrior doing it when they can. And they mm-hmm. love it. They love it. It's not a bad thing. They love it because it's like, oh, it's just for fun again. I don't pay the bill like me going on tour or this record selling no longer is the reason if I'm going to have like I can pay my electric bill or not. Like, you yeah. no longer have that. 
It's funny you say that. I I just just look at census. I'm uh, not census fail. Um, Armor for sleep. Recently, they did a tour, but it was like weekends. Yeah. Right. So they were like, oh, this weekend we're doing three shows in New York, and then we're doing three shows in L.A., and then we're doing three shows here. You know. And meanwhile, all along, I'm friends with uh, PJ on Facebook, who is a realtor in New Jersey. So I'm like seeing like. Hey, I just got this house listed for whatever here. And then the next post is like, oh, my old band is playing in Austin this weekend or in LA or those shows in LA were great. And it's like, you look at the tour dates and it's like weekends, like long three, three and four day weekends, because that's all they can do right now. Yeah. And, and, to, and, and that's, and to me, that's great. The, the fact that they're getting out, people are still showing up buying tickets and wanting to go see them is um, amazing but you do you look at it and you're like well they also have a family and a full-time job and 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 things that they have going on and and they're doing what they can but they but it's definitely it becomes that labor that passion project right it's it's like yeah. you know being able to do it again is just fun there's no pressure on them anymore it's just let's just go do it and have fun i'm i'm excited like i want to see i know you brought up heath earlier and uh, like with Heath, the, when I interviewed him, he was just picking up guitar and kind of doodling with it again. And it seemed to progress more and more. And like, I mean, I don't know what he plans on doing, but I look at someone like that and I go, you can tell that he just genuinely like fell back in love with playing because it was it kept progressing. We go, I want to see what that guy does because it's coming from a place of he just wants to play. Like when people come from that, that's what you want to hear. Not because I need to put this record out because a label gave me an advance that we have to pay back. Right. Like, it's way better if it's just like, yeah, I play what I want. Like, I'm just playing, I mean, not sound cheesy, but it comes from the heart or whatever, because it's like, that's just what we're doing. There's no there's no prospects of a major label coming and picking you up or yeah. trying to make a million dollars or play Madison Square Garden. Like, play some weekend shows, hopefully good attendance, maybe release, you know, some singles or an album at some point. But it's like, there's no, we get to it when we get to it, I think becomes like the mantra more. But it's like, you know, sometimes fans are like, you want it so fast, but it's like, I, I think I've realized more. I'm like, just give them time. When you get something, you'll get something. And normally you, it's better that way. There's yeah. there. I mean, suicide machines is one, but there's a couple other bands. I mean, we keep talking about uh, Wayne, but like drama Rama put out one of their best oh, yeah. in 2020, where it was like, where did that come from? This band hasn't really, no one thought that like drama Rama was going to drop an album in 2020. They do. And it's like great. You're like, oh my! I had no god. idea that they put out an album in 2020. So good. Oh my god! You oh, got. I gotta listen to it because I love. I oh, love. Dude, I love dude no lie. It's so good. Like it shouldn't be as good as it is to be honest. Like for a band who hasn't put anything out since 2005, this band put out a record that I mean, like front to back, just classic drama rama. Like just really, Man, really, really awesome. good. Them and X was another. X put out their first record in like 25 years. And it's like, oh my God, this is one of the best records of 2020. Like, who would have thought X was going to put out a record that year? Damn. Or would it be that good? Like, the fact that it would be that good that long after the fact. But it's like, again, there's no pressure. They don't, you know, because there was a time X did put out some duds of a records way back in the day when it was a career thing. And it's like, now it's like, they, I mean, and their money's probably on touring and stuff, but it's like it's not on records. They'll just they'll put out music when they do, and it pays yeah. off. It's it's um, y you know, think about it. The, the, if they've been playing music the whole time, they're getting better at their craft. The, the recording quality is a lot better. You can do a lot more now with Pro Tools than you could do back in the in the eighties and and earlier. 
Um, so it's, it's a lot, you, you don't have to, you can do it remotely now, you know, you can record on your computer and then send tracks in and you don't even have to get together. So the, yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can, you can make a really good album these days. One of the things you, it was funny, um, Jay Navarro from Suicide Machines, I actually wrote him to play quarantines. I asked him if he would play, I asked everybody by the way. So if you name it, I, I asked them, um, but he wrote me back and it was the best response, the best turn me down response I ever got. He wrote me back and he's like, he's like, man, I appreciate it, but no thanks. He's like, Suicide Machines acoustic is lame. Yeah. No. <laughs> that was all he put. He's like, let's lame. Damn. When you just said that, I wasn't thinking about the part of them being acoustic. And I yeah. kind of get what he said. I do too. I, don't and know I, how I thought about it too. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, I guess. But I like ska and acoustic anyway. But um but yeah but their music is so i love you know, suicide machine yeah me too me too well what else we got because i think we're probably yeah, uh, we're, gonna be editing some of this out unless we make it a two-parter it uh well we will probably there uh the lat the hour after the power chord hour um the hour after the hour is uh just like generic music and they're normally cool if i need to go longer so this will probably be a three-hour episode so oh, we are sweet. okay but with that said we are almost at three hours so, I mean, just closing out here for one, I was going to ask you, um, you know, just real quick, do you think you'll ever do quarantines again? Or is that just more of a quarantine thing? Can you ever see yourself? You're a busy man. So I know yes. you can't just throw them out like that, but is it something you would leave the door open? Like, you know, to do them again in the future? Well, this, this interview, this not interview, this co-hosting gig, uh, has just, uh, re relit a little bit of a fire. I spoke with Heath Saraceno about a month or two ago, and uh, I have been talking to him and Steve from LWL, another band that we should play. If you have time in this thing, play LWL, play an LWL song, because I, oh my gosh, I love them. Um, uh, but we were talking about doing bringing back that punk rock trivia and nice. like New Jersey scene punk rock trivia, though, like NJPP trivia not just punk rock trivia in general and then um you know part of it was like the world was opening back up and i didn't think that people would want to tune in um and i think so i think this last year has been a little crazy because it's been a year since the last one i think we did it wow. february of 2021 so we haven't done one in a year oh god i know I can't believe it was two years ago almost that we did the first one. It's April it would be two years since we did the first one. So time flies. I the door is wide open. I mean, it's not going to be hard for me to do it. It's it's um, it's really, you know, are people going to show up? Right? Are people going to show up? Are they going to are they going to get in front of their computers on a Friday night at eight o'clock and and care about who's playing? And then you know. Um, I guess it's been long enough now that putting some of those same people on again, wouldn't be, wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, yeah. So then it's like, do I get repeat people or do I try to get new guests? And, and it would be nice to get a new guest, but I think also, you know, like somebody like Travis from senseless crash Romeo, which I didn't even know crash Romeo was a thing until like later too. Like I found a crash really? Romeo after crash Romeo was done. And then I'm like, Oh, those were the senseless kids. <laughs> like, um, but Travis is, is a, the sweetest individual in the world. I mean, he's just, I love him 
Um, and he wanted to play one of those last couple, but he kept, he was working in the medical field and he kept getting called in and couldn't do it. So he would be the first ask for sure. So Travis would might have supposed to be on the one I was on. Cause I was, I want to say he was, cause I was excited. He was playing. I'm like, Oh my yeah. God. He was the very first one on the very first episode too. He oh. kicked off quarantines. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you go back and watch volume or episode one, um, he, he crushed it. And we had a good time. He, I actually put him in the highlights video for a few seconds too at the beginning because it was kind of like the it's first real thing. quick. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like for people to go check these out, where do they live on the internet? For people listening to this right now, I want to go check them out. Quarantine. So I have a YouTube channel. So if they put here, let's do. Oh, you're, you're not gonna be able to see. It. So if you write my name, so if it's J Vix, and don't put a K in it, and don't make it a V I X either. It's V I C S. So J-A-Y-V-I-C-S on YouTube. And you can do JVix Quarantune. So that's Q-U-A-R-A-N Tunes, T-U-N-E-S. Um, you should be able to find it pretty easily, I think. Uh, you should be able to find all of them. Uh, the other thing you could do is join the New Jersey Pop Punk 1994 to 2002 group. Join that. You need to join it. Do it like yeah, well, you, to this. Join that group, then you're like... You're in the same Facebook group as all of these people were talking about, pretty much. And um, and if you go into the videos section, I believe they're all there. I'm I'm pretty sure they're all there. I think I think they are because I'm pretty sure I've rewatched some of them, like right on the on the Facebook page. And so it's I fun because you can fast forward through between the bands when I'm talking, and then just watch the music. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Watch it because I really like again, like credit to you, like doing it, watching it live. And maybe you forget it now if you watch it, you know, like after the fact. But if you're watching it live, I mean, again, you're really like steering the ship there and like kind of moving everything along. Have to, you know, for for hours, for yeah, for hours, and being, you know, doing doing that with this show and not even to the same amount. You know, I don't have the uh, the visual element and all that, but also also again, room for error. The one thing with live, there's so much room for error. There's no. Yeah whether it be on your side or the other side. I mean, it could just be someone I'm sure you had more than once someone who just had a bad connection or a bad mic or an echo or something like doesn't even have anything to do with you. It's just something foolish on like the other person's side. And that's all it takes. Almost every episode, <laughs> almost every episode. I, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, and, and you know what I just did is I just, I mean, there were times where I had to like pop back up on screen with somebody and say, hey, we got some issues that happened like twice. But if somebody just didn't sound good because of their connection, but like it was still audible, mm -hmm. um, I just let it go. Because you know what I thought about? That's punk rock. Yeah. If somebody was on stage and they were having technical issues and they didn't have their best night and they sounded kind of rough, they got to make it through their set. And I was like, I'm, what am I going to do? I can't stop the show and then try to figure out whether they're on an Ethernet line or Wi-Fi and what they're using, you know, what the processors. Yeah. Yeah, I, can't, I can't. You can't so, like you cannot at all. Like there's no stopping the show just doing things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, there were times where I would be like, hey, wait a minute, you're you, you're you, everything just cut off for a second. You know, and I might have had to jump in or or I know Heath one time had something with an echo issue and I stopped because I knew that we could fix it. I guess that's it. If I know we can fix it, I jump on, I stop. And, and people used to laugh. People are like, Jay, you are like the modern day guy behind the soundboard. Like the mix. You know, like you're I'm, fixing like the XLR cable that comes out it, of the mic. 
or something. Yeah, all, all I'm all I'm doing now is like clicking a cam mic set. If you watch back the quarantines episode, you will hear me say, "Hey, go to that cam mic setting." You'll hear it like thirty <laughs> times in the episodes. Go to that cam mic setting and check the uh, box that says. Um, actually, I'm doing it right now. The the uh, well, they changed it now. It used to be like echo. Cam, it was echo something. But um, I think it popped up before I got on. I, I think I know what you're talking about. There's like a box yeah. you could you could click. Yep. And if you checked it, if you were using earbuds, no problem. But a lot of people didn't have earbuds, so they were they were coming out of the computer speakers, and then it was feeding oh, back yeah. in. So there was this echo, and um, we had to we had and sometimes it would when the, they'd start to play guitar and sing, it would like it would destroy the guitar noise because the computer is trying to pick up the vocals and it would like try to compress the guitar out. But if you click this one button in StreamYard, you didn't have that issue. Or if you wore headphones, you didn't need that and then you'd have no problem as well. So you'll see a couple times people would have earbuds on to talk to me, then they take them out, they play their set, and then I'd start talking to them at the end and they're like, well, I can't hear you. Like you get this, you get that motion. You know, and then and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I do one of these, like put my hand. I know we're on radio, so I'm like, I put my finger up like, oh, I gotcha. I understand. And then and then they would put their headphones back on and we'd continue the conversation. But uh, but yeah, those are just I mean, doing doing that like it was it was just I mean, it's all just part of the fun, I guess. It was was good. I, I think anybody watching at home, you know, understood you know, that we were just doing and people really enjoyed them. So yeah, I definitely think we'll do another quarantines and probably won't be too far into the future. I I like to do it while it's winter. Why? I know people aren't really going out. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Time, not a bad idea. So, so maybe who knows, maybe in, uh, maybe the end of February or March, I'll try to put something together and we'll, we'll do it. Even if it's just a couple of musicians and we just do a after show, you know, Start small. You can start yeah. start with four performers or something like that again. You know what I mean? Like if you don't, including just on time, because again, I know you're you're busy with other things. I'm sure it's not priority number one. This this free program I put online. Probably well, now Anthony, I will say one thing: it would not be a Jersey show with only four bands. I can't <laughs> do four. It has to be at least six. At least so six minimum. It has to have six minimum, or it's not. A New Jersey show, proper, proper New Jersey show. We can't have that either. Not a, we can't have four bands here. No, that's what they do in Buffalo. Yeah, I, I, the same Western New York, man. And in, and in North Carolina, they do three, three or four bands. Uh, but New Jersey has to have six. This guy's out of state. Listen to him with his four band lineup. Four bands. You're not getting your money's worth. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. The. I mean, it almost sounds like that was maybe part of that. Like that was one of those scenes where sometimes you go to those shows and it's like, this is a festival. This isn't a show. This is a festival. And yet we did this festival between like 7 and 11 p.m. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's not so bad. I've been to somewhere. It's hours and hours. You're like, when's the the headliner coming on? It's like 2 in the morning. It's like 2 in the morning now and the sun was up when I got here. Like, I think they're playing at some point. That's right. That's right. Oh, gosh. Uh, but I mean, to close up this and in a yeah. second, I will throw you on the spot one more time with songs. But uh, I mean, is there is there anything else to close it up with? I mean, as well, if you have any, I don't know if you have anything to like plug or promote, but like any of that, any of that good stuff, I guess you do like even with the Facebook page, but like where yeah. people go find you, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so I'm pretty easily accessible. I mean, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely around. If you have a small business um, and you you need help with digital marketing, I I or just marketing in general, uh, that's kind of what I do. I'm I'm what's considered a fractional CMO. So if you need a chief marketing officer but you can't afford a full time one, let's talk, um, and I can maybe point you in the right direction or help you out. But 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 from a punk rock. Uh, power chord hour status go find the new jersey pop punk 19 it's literally new jersey pop punk 1994-2002 group on facebook go ahead and join it follow me on youtube uh subscribe uh, i don't really try to build that channel it's mostly i just set it up for quarantines um you can follow me on Instagram at jrover. That's my personal one. I have several Instagram accounts, but most are for business. But jrover is my thing where I might post something about, you know, the old scene or a lot of times it's just me goofing off with my my child at this point. But uh, but yeah, jrover, think Red Rover. So J-A-Y-R-O-V-E-R. Um, friend me on Facebook. I'm happy to, you know, just say, hey, heard you on Power Court Hour. Um and that would that would be some good ways to follow me. I'm, I don't really have much to plug. No, that is that is awesome. And uh, again, I just listed good. off six things. I'm like, yeah, I don't really think I have anything to plug. <laughs> no, you don't. Even, even when I asked this, I'm like, well, if you have anything, that's like, wait a second, you do. We were just talking about. Yeah, you spent for, three for, hours talking sure. about. <laughs> You're right. About. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. you have things to like <laughs> find you on. I'm but yeah, you gotta. It. We're both of us are on that are on that NJPP uh, Facebook group. So you go join that. I mean. You, you can and all the musicians i love that too because you see you see them comment and post stuff too so like if you're a fan of that era it's kind of cool because you'll see some like random dude from one of those bands comment on something or you know post <laughs> post some neat old stuff i made know? a i made a highlight video of volume one we talked about earlier and i i posted it in the facebook group and and uh fred mascherino from taking back sunday and color fred and terrible things another one i watched on fuse for years and years yeah yeah friend friend good friend um and and he commented like oh that was really enjoyable i really like that you know and then he played like on a couple of them he showed up uh i think he played on two one or two but then he joined the after show each time like fred was a good sport about the whole thing he like i'm really close to one with the lemonheads cover was really good Oh my gosh, that was amazing! Yeah, that Did was the first time this? he was on. Well, yeah, I asked him if he could do. Um, yeah, I asked him if he could do "Rudderless," and I called it the wrong title, I think, of the song. But yeah, it was it was "Rudderless." I remember, I remember that one went late, and I I remember very late way to to end it. I was like, I was getting real tired, falling asleep, and I was like, oh, this is a good, this is like a good like end cap to it all, like a Lemonheads cover from you know, I mean, one of one of the best. Uh, of all the all the people they've had in Taking Back Sunday doing like the uh, we want to call it co lead vocals or whatever, one of the best uh, ones to do it. So very neat to like from both sides of the world too. That Taking Back Sunday, which I mean, if people don't know, he did tour with them. I know we were talking about that, but like, yeah, still a funny connection if you don't know it. The guy, you know, the former guy of Taking Back Sunday playing a Lemonhead song, amazing, like amazing. You know, if you're into that thing, you're kind of that music. It's like what a cool pairing. And he also played bass with the Lemonheads on a tour, which is, I mean, the the whole Fred Fred's a Fred's a talented dude, and he's 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 made a really he's 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 good. He's he's just good. He's just he's networked, and he's uh, and he's he's just. I mean, he's the nicest, the nicest guy. He'll do anything for anybody he can. So yeah, I like those guys. Too. 
ter- tremendous musician. That's right. He teaches people how to play guitar. So I was going to say he know like because in from a scene, including even just guys in Taking Back Sunday, where some of those guys have even just said like, "Yeah, I have no clue. I don't know what a note like. I can't name the notes on the guitar. I know when I'm playing, but that's about it." Whereas like yeah. Fred's like a tr- like he knows music theory. He knows this sh- like. He knows music inside and out. Like he knows. If he was from New Jersey, he would have made my my super group. But he wasn't. He's not. It isn't New Jersey. Band, I like so. you were technical though. I like you didn't try like sneak it in. Like well, on a technicality. No, 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 no. Fred's, Fred's not in that super group. Fred, I could put Fred in uh, many, many other super groups. That was not one that that was he was going to. He get was in. kind of in one technically when he was in Terrible Things. He was kind of in a super group. That's pretty much is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, yeah, he is uh, he's a great one. That was that was fun when you had him on. They're all fun. I mean, go go watch those if you're listening to this and you've never seen them. Uh, go watch go watch those quarantunes because they're very neat. And again, whether there's a mix of it, whether you were there and you know some of the more lesser known ones, or you're like maybe this is the first you're hearing of the scene. I can guarantee you, there's a few performers on there from bands that you were definitely a fan of already, including if you're listening to the show, like. There, there's bands on there like even non non new jersey which you had on who are just connected where you would i mean like that take back sunday i mean fred was in in their biggest time like they sold many many <laughs> records during during that era like louder now sold a lot of albums like you know yeah. you know who fred is so there's a lot of neat uh neat performers on there to check out but we will i mean we'll close everything out now with a couple songs um i guess i mean originally you know, we, we've kind of had themes of like what to play, but I think this last one will play a few songs and I'm going to, I will say this. I think you should pick, and I'll throw you on the spot. All right. We have not played Midtown yet. Maybe pick a Midtown I, I, would, I have Midtown in my head. Definitely Midtown. Midtown. We talked LW, about them a lot. LWL, like we uh, were mentioning. And I think the last one, I'll really throw you on the spot. That's a, fr- that's, that's dealer. That's dealer's choice. You, you can choose something from the scene. It, I, okay. I really won't give you anything else. A song that pops in your head or whatever you pick it by, just a there's, song from the scene. There's there's two popping in my head, both New Jersey bands. We could play both, uh, actually. All right, so then I'm going to – you you referenced one of my favorites, Mother Mania, earlier. Yes. So put a Mother Mania. Let's do a Mother Mania. And then if we got time uh, – uh, a, uh, an influence to so many New Jersey bands um, – lifetime hey yes. katrina uh hey katrina is one oh, of the oh my god one uh, of their best songs one of their best songs so i would say if we could close out with those i mean i'm telling you anthony this is a blast thank you for letting yeah, me you- co-host i i hope we can you know uh do this like uh, uh man i would do this again in a heartbeat if you asked so Maybe we'll we do a jimmy this- world one we'll do like if we do themes do like yeah jimmy or something something like that like a certain uh one though we don't even need a theme we can always just have you on again to talk music too it's up to you I'm, I'm always glad to talk music with you so yeah it's always it is always a a fun time and the last i mean three hours has flown by so that's a good that's a good sign when three yeah, hours and 30 five, minutes before we started recording this so that's a great point yeah. so uh yeah i mean right now um i might be back on after these last songs to say goodbye to everyone we'll see what time uh is like but right now I mean, we got a lot for you. We got, I mean, those were some, those are some heavy hitters you just dropped, dropped there. Let's do it. So yeah, big old block. Um, Maybe we'll start, I think we'll start with the Midtown song. I think we'll start Midtown and go from there. So uh, here, ooh, now, okay, I'll tell you that before we get into it, 
would you like to pick the song or would you like me to pick the Midtown song? No, you just go ahead and pick, pick go ahead and pick the song. I mean, I feel I feel like because it's one of my favorite album openers, but just rock and roll. I think that's a good one. That's a, that's that's, that's an amazing, amazing way to start. Yeah, that's yeah. that is my first actually. And I know as we're closing this out, I'm getting sidetracked. That was my first introduction to Midtown. And you have to remember, I knew I knew Cobra Starship before that. So for that song, like it just kicking in, like, like what is this? Like that, like they're like, I forget who it was, but like, oh, you like Cobra Starship? Like, do you know Midtown? And I didn't make the connection. I did actually know Give It Up and stuff. Like I did know Midtown technically years before, but right. this is like 2009, 2010, not making the connection. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, like, Jesus. We- we opened for them in Detroit. We played a place called the Shelter. So in Detroit, oh, there's Saint, yeah, there's Saint Andrews Hall, and then downstairs around the back is the Shelter. It's like the underground thing. And um, Gabe helped get us on the show because we were on tour, and we saw that they were playing. We played with Midtown and the Stereo. Nice. I've had Jane and, on the show. Oh, really? They yeah. so I had uh, reached out to Gabe. Uh, and said, "Hey, we're we kind we could use a show. We'd see that you're playing in Detroit. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything you can do. The next thing I know, I left him a voicemail. The next thing I know, Eva from Fade of Booking was calling me, saying, "Hey, Gabe just called me and said you guys need a show. Do you want to open for Midtown in the Stereo in Detroit?" And I was like, "What? That happened so fast!" And I could, I mean, Gabe, Midtown guys were all great to me. Rob Hit took us out. We went to eat. Uh, looking we were walking all over detroit i think we ended up getting like falafels or something in in detroit um and and of course heath and tyler are always kind but 45 minutes later the show should have been over but um but a little little sidebar of a a story there um midtown for me that was when that when that album came out um i got to listen to it before it went to press uh, Heath, Heath actually played that album for me in the Red Rover van. It was either the Red Rover van or the Midtown van. I don't remember, but I got to hear that before it was, before it was actually right, right after it got mastered. Um, oh my God. yeah. Um, and, uh, I'll never forget. It was the back parking lot of the Wayne firehouse. So that's a perfect way to perfect way to end the show. And, um, Anthony, uh, man, thank you so much for doing this and anybody listening. Thank you for having me. I hope, uh, I hope it was as fun for you as it was for me. Oh, I, I'm sure. And, and shout out to uh, those listening. This is a, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, that is a, that is probably, we'll leave it on that story and we're going right into it. So uh, right now on the Power Chord Hour, here is Midtown with just rock and roll. God, I wish I could hate you for the rest of my
this is Chelsea from Stress Dolls, and you are tuned into the Power Chord Hour. Well, I say hello to you, then you say hey back to me. It's not the same as a one for three, but time can only tell how much I really think about you. Well, I say hello to you, then you say hey back to me. It's not the same as it used to be, but time can only tell about me and you. Tonight's episode of the Power Chord Hour, that was LWL with Rubber Band. Before that was Lifetime with Hey Katrina. Before that was Mother Mania with Loneliness. And opening up that block of music was Midtown with just rock and roll. I want to thank Jay Vicks for being our guest co-host, very first ever, kind of being my guinea pig. Had so much fun with him. And uh, I'll be honest, it was kind of more like interview style than I thought it was going to be. Um, I knew we'd talk a lot, but I didn't know we'd talk that much. But I mean, in the best way, I thought it was so fun. I thought it was really good conversation and I learned some stuff. Really fun picking his brain about the uh, scene. You know, it's a scene that I love very much. And if I get a chance to talk to someone who was there firsthand, I mean, someone who got to see all the shows, got to play shows, you know, got to see kind of all sides of it. uh, Really, really cool. So uh, enjoyed that a lot and uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, I believe I'm going to be putting this up really because, uh, you know, I, I don't put the radio shows up online a lot, just copyrights with songs. But uh, this one, a lot of these songs are, I mean, long out of print, and I don't think copyrights are going to be such an issue. So I think I'm probably going to throw this episode up 
as a uh, bonus PCH episode on the Power Court Hour podcast feed. So if you want to go listen to it again, good chance it's there. You know, the uh, the weekly Spotify playlist with all the songs is not going to happen because there are not enough songs on this playlist um, from tonight that are on Spotify. We are, we are too cool for Spotify, so uh, I'll probably just throw this on up on the uh, podcast feed and uh, it'll be a nice if you're I'll put it as like a bonus episode because, you know, we uh, we went hard into it with the uh, with New Jersey pop punk and ska. So I'll kind of like throw it there as like if you want kind of like a little learning, you know, you want a little crash course like, hey, check out this. So should be up there. And speaking of the Power Core Hour podcast, you can check that out anywhere you get your podcast. And if you would uh, rate, review and subscribe, it is also on YouTube. And if you would subscribe to our YouTube page, find all our uh, old episodes there and uh, follow us online at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And if you'd like to hit me up, Hour at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that is everything. Tune back in next week. I'm talking to my buddy Chelsea O'Donnell from uh, Buffalo band Stress Dolls. And, uh, you know, tonight we're talking about the New Jersey pop punk scene of yesteryear. And next week I will be talking about the uh, current day Buffalo scene with uh, Chelsea. And actually me and her both went to a school up in Fredonia here, Fredonia, New York. And going to talk to her a little bit about that scene too. She graduated, I think, like a year or so before me. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of interested to get her take on what the scene was like there. So, uh, yeah, talking more music next week. Uh, You know, big surprise. Talking more music on the Power Chord Hour. But until then, for the Power Chord Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.